The Revenge of By The Numbers is brought to you by Esports Bet, where you can currently go and enter their free-to-enter World's Prediction Series 2 competition, where it is a 10 million USDT prize pool. It has 300,000 USDT for first place. And if you go to their Discord, discord.gg slash esportsbet, they will give you 50,000 DJT to get started in this competition. And in it, you can bet on the Major, the Blast Showdown. You can bet on League of Legends Worlds, Dota TI, any other tournaments out there in the scene, FIFA, Valorant, if there is anything, Rainbow Six, all the competitions out there you can imagine, ESL Impact, everything. And basically, however good you are at predicting, the ones who are really good, and the ones who make it through and are able to use that DJT correctly, they have a chance to win enormous prizes. Chris is still very much in the round. Oh, Chris, he's found three. It's down to a two-on-two. Chris, can he close this with an ace? Oh, my God. Gives him a chance to lead to this CZ kill. Could be everything. Finally, Zeus, he does something. Looking for a second, he connects it. Oh, and he gets a third as well. Surely he's not going to pull this off. Coldera, the man, the myth, the beast. Zyru, no help really, but he's still hitting shots. He's already got three. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Revenge of By the Numbers. It's been another week of Counter-Strike. And, well, Thorne and I are going to be here to discuss it for you and see what's going on. Because there's been some decent news. There's been some results. We're into the Blast Showdown. So we got uh, we got teams, you know, knives out fighting for one spot in the Blast Fall Finals. So we'll be discussing that. We got some news to talk about as well. And, uh, you know, just uh, general housekeeping. Duncan, how are you doing? You have a good week? I'm all right, mate. Might be a bit of a rough episode, we'll see. But I'll start it off with some levity instead of toxicity. What we'll do is this. One of our favorite favorite Twitter accounts, CSGO Leaks, did a meme about us. Did you see it? It's good, wasn't it? I'll read it out. Basically, they did an overlay, like our overlay, and they had as a guest uh, Juan de Pablo of Getafe, right? And then they put... Pious 17th century priest makes guest appearance on new episode of By the Numbers with Thorin and Sembler. And then they put some of the topics discussed. The Holy Bible. Spirit and outsiders tournament wins. Is Ziwu controlled by a demon? Best communion wine. Fors changes. Secular ways to run tournaments. Philosophy. The downfall of Western civilization. The concept of hell face clan like that's actually that's actually because i told you so many people have tried parody accounts it's just start funny that's actually good because essentially here's the key point and this is a point that's always missed in shit comedy you'll notice he gets what's actually good about it but is able to then make fun of it because he gets the joke himself like you know normally like snarky humor on on the internet is just sort of like but by the numbers the new episode's out and they're all racist. It's like, what's the joke? Like, you know what I mean? Like, what have you, you know what, where, like, what have you engaged with? You have to essentially understand what we do on the show. Cause the joke he's done there essentially is a lot of our topics, obviously when we veer into the philosophical, just some stuff we're into at the moment in life in general, and it's kind of how we see the world. They do have this bent to it, don't they? So he's made it funny by making it like we made, like, like it's not just that Z who's good at the game. Maybe he's controlled by otherworldly forces, you know? So I thought it was quite well done. It's quite executed joke. That is quickly becoming one of my favorite accounts on Twitter. Like I've gone, I've gone through another purge recently where I got rid of like another 500 people that I followed where I was just like, yeah, no, okay. We're going to go clean house again. Okay. 
And uh, CSGO League's definitely made the cut. Like, I'm really enjoying their their tweets. They're, they've got some serious good ones lately. And uh, I liked the uh, the GG for all. <laughs> the GG for all, Verka, uh, that was pretty good. Uh, where where the one you want? Some, some quite edgy ones there as well, I will say. <laughs> got some so. edgy ones in there. I was like, whoa, okay. I'm, like, I'm digging the spice. It's I, like you say, it very much is like the eSports Babylon B, isn't it? Exactly. You know, that's it. They get that. They get that angle, and I love it. I mean, I think that they're doing a bang up job. So I'm always looking forward to their next tweet. They're they they don't miss much. They don't miss much. So when they, you know, that 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 really made it for me when you sent me that. Where it's just like, oh yeah, no, they made one. I was like, no way. It was perfect, dude. Bang on the money. Well done, guys. Cue up the great work. Because seriously, I'm enjoying your tweets. You guys are nailing it. Um, I had a you know funny, funny thing on on this side actually that was really cool. Is uh, to see. Um, I don't know if you caught it, but uh, James uh, James is back hosting uh, Ti. Too good. Here's the problem. What you don't realize there is, I thought this was going to get fucking weird because Bardolf just did ESL Rotterdam last week. So I was like, James Which is back. James? Like, where are we fucking going here? You meant too good, right? He means James Harding. Okay. That's it. Yeah, Here's I the problem James with that, Harding. though. I've got, let, let's talk on that for a little bit. Because my problem with it goes like this, similar. I don't, I, I can see why too good would do it. Because he's the sort of person where, as much as he might seem on camera like a firebrand individual, he's actually the sort of person, by the way, where no one talks shit to him at like after parties or events. He's the sort of person who in real life is too cool for school and people just vibe with him. Like he only has this problem on the internet with people on Reddit and who think Twitter's real life. So I can see why he wouldn't mind it. Like essentially, he, I would imagine it's been that many years, I think it was 2016, that that shit happened when yeah, he got he, fired. Uh, he said eight years since he's hosted a TI. So there you go. So here's the thing. I would say in that scenario, I get why he might want to do it. Like he just likes daughter. Obviously, I'm sure he wants to work with all those people out of his friends. He is, by the way, he would also be one of the best hosts. Like the joke is one of the reasons they wanted people like me to come to daughter is because they wanted people with the kind of edge that Too Good has, and there was no one like that in daughter. But my problem with it is this: I have to flip it onto the Valve side. What the? F Gabe Newell himself fired this guy. Like, what is that? Like, I always thought, by the way, that was the part that was the most egregious about that. It's like, there wasn't even a reason. He essentially just said it was because he just didn't like the guy, right? So it's like, that's, that That makes Valve, that was, I think, a lot of people think that's based off funny. I think that's one of the most whack things Valve ever did. Because what happened was, a guy who, by the way, clearly doesn't give a fuck about any of these games. I don't, look, I know that Gabe Newell has been to daughter events. I do not believe, you know that software that they had at E-League Semler, where they could like track your eye movement. If you could do that on Gabe Newell, he'd never be watching a daughter game, mate. I mean, the joke is, you'd just be going, five guys again come on man get on a treadmill like you'd never you'd never see him watching for oh Windranger you'd never see it mate I bet like the joke is the events he's been to it's probably the only times he's seen Daughter like I don't buy that whole narrative like he actually really likes Daughter like mate I bet he couldn't even name fucking 20, 20 characters in the game I bet he couldn't he'd just fail instantly and get five guys again. Bro. Well, I bet he could name five guys in the game. <laughs> <laughs> whatever. 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 I, I wonder if he's going to make an appearance at this uh, at this major. I wonder, because like, or at this uh, this TI, right? Because that's the whole shtick is that he walks out, he says the line, everybody cheers, everybody claps, he said the line, and then, you know, you move on from there, right? I, don't, I wonder if he's going to show up this time or not, because he's, uh, he's down in New Zealand now, living, uh, living it up on the island, getting locked down. So, I mean... I wonder, you know the I thing I've never understood as well? Like, I know it's sad, Samler, because I really shouldn't be going on the same carousel merry-go-round every fucking day. But believe it or not, Samler, are you ready? Time to say, say the line, Bart. 
I can't believe fans are so stupid in esports. That's right. I, it's actually me that's an idiot because I can't get it through my brain how stupid these people are. So if you don't know, okay. when people celebrate TI and they talk as if Valve is like Scrooge McDuck giving you for no reason money, they still don't understand that Valve just takes 75% of the fans' money and lets them have 25% back. That's called a reach around. As they're fucking you in the ass, they give you a reach around. Like in this scenario, after they give you fuck you and give you a reach around, they wouldn't you wouldn't then go, Oh, thanks. You would probably get nothing out of that, would you? Did you not just see what was happening? Like, that's the thing I can't abide by, dude. Is like the joke is in CSGO, we barely get any of that shit anyway. They make the actual people who run the major carry the can for all the bills, and they don't even allow you to do the crowdfunding. But even the crowdfunding itself, well, the I don't think people get this. In CS, right? Yeah, they, like, they don't. We don't get as much in the prize pool by far. We get nowhere near that. You know, oh, to no, this yeah. day, you don't get you, you don't get a bleed into the prize pool. You don't get any of that from the stickers. You know, but everyone the, was bragging. Dupree's just reached two million dollars. Yeah. Like that means, by the way, he's made as much as someone who won TI like seven years ago or something. Yeah. Once. Yeah. You know what I mean? Did you see though the the prize pool for this TI? Like where it's at now? Sixteen it million. I think is what it's yeah, at right it's now. When it was like now, yeah. forty million last year. So I, I, that's, that's, if anything, that's more of what I've been seeing about the TI news. It's not like, I, I, I've heard that the games have been good. I haven't really been watching it all. Like I've not, not at all, but uh, the, the news that I have picked up on is stuff is, it's more like in the negative side of things where um, apparently the prize pool is not even half of what it was in the last one. Uh, viewership is down as well across the board in the groups as well. So that's, uh, you know, that they're, the Dottie Sports literally wrote an article about it where, you know, viewership is down. Um, I'm going to put that board. in context for you. So here you go. Right at Worlds right now, Val, uh, League of Legends. By the way, the biggest World Championship by actual like amount of people watching, number of countries who care. So I, it doesn't have this year's numbers yet for the prize pool. But last year, it was only. Are you ready? You'll, this will blow your mind, mate. It was less than five hundred k. First place. Worlds. Worlds for is first less than five hundred k. Worlds last year was was four hundred eighty nine thousand five hundred. The year what? before that, it was. 556,000. Now, in CS4, it's also about 500k for first place. So, when they say with an 18 million dollar prize pool, I'm going to go look at it now, but I'm going to guess it's what, like 5 million, 6 million for first place. What is it in Dota? It's pretty top heavy for TI. Like, if you win, you're, you're, no, no, you're it's making... not top heavy. It's the opposite of that. Let me have a look. No, no, it's, it's top heavy in TI. Right. You get uh, 400,000 just for coming top eight, similar. Yeah. That's but what then, you get for winning worlds and win the CS:GO match. Yeah, that's true. What's what do you get for first place in TIR this year? Seven point six million. <laughs> you so... get half of what you get. Basically, second place CS:GO money for coming thirteenth to sixteenth. Yeah, like I don't then... think people get this. There are less fans watching than worlds. There are probably there are less players in Dota than CS:GO. Like I don't say you have to use the same crowdfunding method, but it seems like it's almost impossible that this can be the only game that has this, and none of the other games have. Look, I know why Riot doesn't do it because Riot is like their whole logic. I mean, the joke in Riot's thing is they wouldn't need to do a public crowdfunding thing and publicly take the money because the whole way the game runs in League of Legends, similar is nobody has access to the data about like what makes money in League of Legends. So I suspect if you had to make 
we put up, go on the spot that they use the eSport as a marketing tool and they just make so many millions off all the fucking game constantly from the eSport that the joke is they want to make it seem like, oh, it's just not that big a, you know, this is all the money. Like, they don't That's want you to prestige. notice. It's not about the There's like Brinks trucks just going into their building all day long. Whereas yeah. Valve is more like, right, it's just one big heist. It's like the fucking heist movie. Like, oh, they got away with it again. So I just want to know in CSGO what we're we going to get. Because remember, last year we had the $2 million major, that Stockholm one. But that was only because it was a rollover. It was, we're never going to get that again, apparently. Like CSGO, do we get like the happy medium in the sense that from what I understand from Dota, from Dota teams, like Dota players in terms of salary make fuck all. Like their whole year, their whole year revolves around TI and how they place a TI. Like qualifying for TI, getting to TI, getting to TI. When you say a full call, give me a ballpark. Sorry? Give me a ballpark when you say a full But that's the thing, like ballpark, I mean, maybe like five to 10 a month, something like that. I would I would be shocked if that was the case. Like, put it so I don't claim really? people's daughter salaries, but I would guess like somebody in EG is probably like fifteen k a month, surely. You'd say you'd think so. I don't. And I, also, like, I think that they're the lower thing. that they're lower than tier one CS. Like tier one CS makes more than Dota, if I understand correctly. But then, then again, fuck man, it's been a while since I've actually looked into the numbers. It's been a while since we've been to a DreamHack or something where you know you had multiple games meeting up and you could actually you know swap information and. That's just not a thing anymore now. Now that all the uh, all of the tournaments are atomized and it's just one game per tournament, so you don't actually get to cross pollinate and talk to anybody anymore. But like, what's the uh, like that? Like, as I that's that at least that's the way that I understood it is like the whole Dota environment runs around TI. Like the it's choked out any any motivation for anybody else to run anything like independent tournaments into in in the Dota landscape because everything needs to feed points for the qualifying system that leads into TI and then TI takes up a month and a half or something and it's all about TI and all of your money is made in TI and it's really just about TI now uh in Dota whereas at least in well I was about to, you know at least in CS you know it's like you got a couple of majors you got a couple of uh tournament circuits you've got blast you got ESL it's pretty much it now i mean it's it's kind of trending that way isn't it? I mean, isn't the thing with league players that is that the league, the elite league players make like f fat salary, like seven figure salary, if you're an elite uh, CS or an, an elite law player? If you're the absolute best in like LCS, LEC, I mean, obviously Korea and China, yeah. But the yeah, problem with that is, I think that sucks personally. That encourages you just going to like if you're a European player, instead of playing for the fourth best team and trying to go to Worlds, you should just go and be in the best American team, make three times more money, but have no chance to do well at the tournament. That's actually called a negative incentive, guys. It incentivizes you not to do the thing that makes what we all want, the best competition, happen. Thing is, I'm looking this up now, mate, and I don't even know what people are talking about. Like if you look here, when they had ESL one Stockholm in May and Dota, that had the same prize pool as our, as like half a major. It's five hundred K. Okay, prize pool. Yeah, then they like had the a, Arlington Major in August. That was 500k as well. But it's like the majors do that. But I don't think that there's much past the majors now. And there's in, like, in, as Dota. far as I can tell, I think it's online competition. I think every region gets online competition where it's like 200k. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like that, they're, they're pretty much down to just majors and TI, and everything has to feed into that system, uh, which is just going to be mega brutal. Um, if you don't manage to qualify into it or to, to break into it, if you wanted to be an independent tournament organizer, I think there's the, like the bar to the barrier to entry now. Is I mean, just, look, I will just say there's no universe in which in CSGO we can talk about it being hard to break in as an independent organizer. Like we've just allowed ESL, a shit company sold to the most evil people in the world to strangle our game to death. So I don't, I don't think we'll, I mean, I, I don't know if you've ever heard of this term called flashpoint similar, but they probably kept trying to focus up the ass all the time. So well, you know, the, like the, what I'm, uh, the other bit of drama that's actually going on, I, know, I like how we're just focusing on the Dota thing, but I guess that is the big thing, at least in that game that's going on right now is TI, and TI is big enough to talk about. But um, 
apparently they are also having like when you talk about dumb dumb fans like dumb like Dota Reddit is really pushing the envelope there. That so used to be threads it's one of the worst the of all time, mate. Because there's the thing that used to you know you know see you know CS:GO Reddit's bad now. That's like where Dota was like seven years ago. Yeah, it was already just the worst from day one, wasn't it? It's uh, Dota. Dota Reddit is always, but I mean, it's just it's really interesting to run into a the entitlement where it's just like, well, you know, they don't understand how just how much money Valve makes, and so you know, in terms of like opportunity cost for Valve, you know, making you know investing time, uh, the employee time into running a TI versus them working on some random Steam thing or VR thing, you know, it's just the the, the amount of money that they make comp working on Steam compared to working on TI. You know, it, it is a bit of a charity case for Valve, even with the 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 whatever, however many millions they're making with their seventy five percent cut, like you say. But um, the other side of it that was that I thought was interesting was just how um, it just doesn't seem like the awareness is there when it comes to how um, arena broadcasts work. And so I was re literally reading about how some like some fans, some of these comments were literally saying like, you know, it's really such a shame because the crowd makes noise. And then, you know, when the crowds make noise, well, the players know that something might be happening. And so, you know, they're, they're just like Sumail said in an interview that he holds his finger over BKB because he knows something's going to happen next. And I'm like, well, why do you think you never see a knife round, like a knife, a big knife kill, you know, sneak up, sneaky play like the Cadian clutch or something, you know, in an arena? It's because the crowd would be going ape shit and the players would know something's happening and they all be looking behind them, grow eyes behind, you know, in the back of their heads. Like you play the game differently on arena. You play like there is a, an arena style of, uh, of gameplay that you need to get experience for and it does influence how the game is played. But the, the thing that's happening there is also really interesting from a caster perspective is that multiple players have talked about how they can hear the commentary loud and clear. And so they know when they know when Rosh is happening, they know when smokes are happening, they know about runes, they know about uh, big team fights, like they know what's going on because they can hear, apparently the players can hear the casters loud and clear, which is really interesting. Because uh, you would think that in the Dota scene, they make such a big deal about having the booths at TI. You would think that they would have some kind of isolation setup going for TI, but then also, it it highlights one of the things that casters need to actually be aware of. Because if you're a caster and you're in an arena in an arena environment, you need to alter how you commentate. Because if there's even a, a, like a slight chance that a player can hear what you're saying, you need to make sure that you're just all of a sudden giving as little information as possible in terms of critical round information, because. I've literally had it happen in commentary in 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 arena events where I I didn't realize just yet how how much the players could hear because I was talking about a lurk that was coming through. I mentioned the lurk and I literally watched the player whip around 180 and shoot the guy who was lurking him, right? And I'm like, "Well, maybe I need to be a little bit more careful with my casting." And from there on out it's like zero information, right? Because you let your guard down for a moment and the players are hearing and it's not their fault. Maybe that's pushed to talk or something. You know, mic is on. It's picking up the, you know, if you're piping caster audio into the arena, you know, the mic, mic is live and maybe they, maybe they're just hearing tidbits or sounds or maybe somebody's leaving the mic open. You never know. But like the, the way that the casters are casting clearly needs to change because apparently the players are hearing what they're saying and it's, it's affecting the integrity of the matches. So already like the TI matches, you know, like the, the point that I'm hearing is like, oh, the TI, the matches are the best we've, we've had, you know, they're, they're terrific matches. It's like, well, I guess if everybody's got map hacks or whatever, you know, which is basically like, if you can hear the casters, you've got, you've got information, like your, your gameplay is going to be affected by that. And if, does that actually make it, make out for a better, uh, a better, uh, match or not? I don't know. It Did you like have any of this crossed your, uh, your radar at all? No, no, but I've heard this before. Put it this way. I have a totally different take than you on the whole booth thing as well, which is, Every single argument in favor of allowing crowd noise to be transmitted to players goes like this. I'll summarize every single one of them. There's two reasons. One, players just like 
to hear the crowd roar, so their personal enjoyment of the experience. I don't know why the fuck that would ever factor into a sport. Because, by the way, I imagine NFL people don't like having their head smashed into which we just stop having the NFL having tackling. So then the other angle, the only other argument goes like this. It, it makes more pressure when it's a big match. Okay, that's not even a bad argument, right? But if it ruins the match, then who gives a shit if there's pressure? Like, guess what? If they were all doing a boxing match and they knew at the end of the round one of them get asked to do Russian roulette if he loses the round, I imagine that'd put a lot of pressure on too. Wouldn't be a great addition. So what I would say is this. The reason why it fucking sucks is because, as you said, it doesn't have to just be a knife. If you just try the ultimate god flank in a CSGO major, you won't get it off. Not in a million years. If you try in, in Dota 2, Russian in the Roshan when you're behind and you get a perfect timing past a bunch of wards and you get in there and you start hitting it and they wouldn't actually notice and it's like touch and go as to whether they would have like come over and just checked right as you were about to finish it and had a team fight or not if they'd gone for it. If that can't happen the games are by definition just worse because those are essential things within the game. These are two games along with League of Legends and Starcraft that you are supposed to have a deficit of information and that's part of what the comms are about. Strategy timing, intuition, if you don't have that, like if, as you say, the joke is, if we're going to go with the world that you're talking about, you actually, it would be fairer if they used map hacks and no fog of war. It would lit, there should be no wards or something. It should just be open the whole time because that way everyone guaranteed has the information at all times. Here's another angle for you, right? When you do that approach that you're doing that thing in that way, it's only in each situation, you just fuck one of the teams. That's what's maddest about. So I'll give you an example. In the flank one, you might actually be fucking the team that's uh, behind. Maybe they're the one trying to get a perfect flank off. In the one of daughter, you could be fucking the team that's ahead. They're trying to do the Roshan when the guy has no vision whatsoever. Like it's there's not even it's not even like uh, uh, symmetrical how you get the information. Like Dude. so, the problem I have with that is you you are just by definition ruining these matches. And also on top of that, you have teams like there's a Chinese team who said we could hear them, but we just couldn't understand them. So then you get into that you get you get into that sort of situation where you can have two teams uh, who speak different languages. The Chinese team, well, they're shit out of luck. They could hear the commentators, they could benefit from that information, but they don't understand English, so they don't understand. Whereas their opponents might, and so now their opponents are playing with un, with a huge advantage in terms of information against them, and that, that can completely skew the outcome of the match. So, <laughs> like total nightmare scenario. Actually, that's that's unrolling right now on this TI. It's really brutal considering this is their this is supposed to be their big event. Although, as I understand it, they still haven't made it to the the very uh, pinnacle of how the event is supposed to play out. Like now, they're kind of still in like land plus where it's like five hundred people in the audience. It's a smaller stage. They haven't made it into the actual arena yet, where it's going to be like the the booths and the the full thing. But that still doesn't that it's still so brutal to think that the what in. Like, are you doing cost cutting? Like, what's what's causing you to 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 take these cuts that are actually impacting the uh, the, the the quality of the product, that are quality of the tournament? Uh, is it is it cutting cost? Like, what is, what is going on that you uh, that you're now putting into uh, question the integrity of the event itself? Because that's that's a real shame, especially when it's the event of the year for an entire industry. With your whole Dota two hinges on TI, and to have any fuck ups in TI, I mean, isn't that something we were talking about last week, where they have something like five hundred group matches or something playing out, or like fifty group matches a day? You know, just like like just hardcore trying to get to the bottom of like who is the best. And now you have all of these factors that are coming into it, where it's throwing it all out of whack. I mean, I guess on one side, if you want to like rationalize it, it's like, well, you know, that's just that's just arena for you. You gotta you. You roll with the punches, but 
that that's like we we've talked about this in the past where you know if you want the ultimate match then you're putting the players in a concrete bunker and that's it you're isolating them completely yeah. and uh you know that's just the other side of the coin where it's not even like you're playing from home online or whatever it's like no you get everybody together you put them in a bunker and there you go and the way, uh, think and, about this that is literally what you do in every sport where crowd noise fucks the game up. In tennis, they throw you out like Jazzy Jeff if you shout when the person is doing yeah. a serve. If you are playing chess, do you think when you play chess in a world championship match, people are allowed to shout like, just do like D7 with the night? Like, they're not allowed to, mate. Like, you have to, you have to have silence. Like, there's certain sports where it's not about that, where you have to do that. So, the problem I have is, like, as far as I can tell, like I say, most of the reason why cool. people don't complain who are players, and it's only usually if they lose or they're just like super, they're just super fair people, is because they just like hearing the crowd and go, oh, it's like football. It's not like football. There isn't like a fucking information deficit in football. You just run as fast as you can, mate. You can see everyone on the pitch at all times as long as your yeah. eyes are looking there. No one can shout something out like, he's behind you. Like, that's not happening in a football match. It's not even a scenario ever. The smoke. I mean, the, the analogy here would be, like, what if during an NFL game, the whole crowd in unison could, like, fucking read the, like, playbook of the opposing coach and just shout out the play they think he's calling? Oh, he's doing, like, a, like, fucking razor back 4F run, like, one wide out. And they're like, oh, we've got it right. Yeah, fucking send the safety. It'd just ruin the game, wouldn't it? Like, what the fuck is this? So the problem I have is, like, you say it like it's a joke, dude. The thing about stupidest about esports is I understand it wouldn't be as cool and it, it's not as good if they're not on stage and you can see them react and carry and do all that stuff. But the problem I have is this. By definition, because it takes place in a server and we just transmit it to a big screen, there is absolutely no good reason they couldn't be isolated. It wouldn't be as good initially, but I actually think, by the way, the quality of the games would make it better. Like, I actually do think exactly. being able to do these things would be... Because if people don't know, that was another reason why I knew all these teams that were online gods would fail. Because you can't do some of the fucking crazy shit that you do online on LAN like you mm -hmm. try and do it and then what happens is you just it fails five times until someone tell so until a veteran takes you aside and goes you do know when you throw that flash they can just see you flash from the other side of the stairs like oh I didn't know that like half, the joke is half of it's like fans still don't even know some of that you're just essentially all doing like fucked up like mini cheating to just get around the fact that you're in this weird environment that it never exists otherwise and you don't even worse you don't practice in anything like that environment so you, you can't exactly, really get used to it exactly it's fun it's like um it just keeps adding all these steps actually because you've pointed out and it's a really good point in, in the sense that you know best of five finals you can only get that experience in a finals like that's it you're only ever going to get that kind of experience you can't practice for it you can't do anything for it your only way you're going to get it is if you make it to a best of five final and so if your opponent is a champion who's been in that environment before they have an advantage until you figure out how to play in that environment and this is that's exactly the same sort of scenario when it comes to arena counter-strike it takes time to adjust to to learn like what you can get away with what you can't when you push when you don't i mean clutches are played out completely differently on arenas than they are online because now you can't you can't tap the fake in the smoke or whatever you know if you're trying to juke it out and play some kind of clever thing or you're just trying to stick the diffuse right you know those sorts of things you know it's like the crowd is going to give you away if the, if you're sticking the diffuse without killing the other guy and the crowd is going bonkers the other guy knows that you're sticking it and he shoots you in the smoke right it's it's just the way you have to learn these kinds of things uh, before you can even start winning games in this arena environment. So it is like playing a new game and it is something, you know, like I, I agree with you on that front. It's the one problem. Like you can have all sorts, like trying to put esports into an arena. It's never going to be perfect because of all of these different issues. Cause you're then 
okay so um the the impossible sound mix every single time trying to get the sound mix correct so that you can have the casters piped into the arena but that the casters aren't so loud that the players can hear the casters and but you still want your fans to be able to hear the casters and then you got to get that mix just right with the volume of the actual game sound and it's just a total nightmare every single time if you were to remove the players from the stage environment entirely like put them in a bunker or something like that you, you could actually tune the show to be a perfect show for the arena audience where you can have the perfect sound mix, you can have the commentary, you can have everything, and you don't have to worry about the integrity of the game. And I think everybody would win. I, I, like That's a point that I've been entertaining as well for a while now where it's just like maybe that is the step that needs to happen because you're always going to have these integrity issues when you're running an, an, an arena event for esports, like regardless of what esports are. I mean, the only one I can think of is like, I don't know, Rocket League or something where it's just like whatever, or a fighting game. Like a fighting game, whatever. What are you going to say? Uh, all the information is there on the screen, so there's no hiding it. It's a fighting game or uh, or Rocket League or whatever like that. But if you're playing like Rainbow Six, Counter-Strike, LoL, Valorant, it's just not going to... There, There's always going to be those issues. Regardless, what got us all off on this, uh, this TI thing, though, is like, you know, glad to see James back in the mix, man. Really cool. He was so nervous. It was so funny to watch, but he like nailed the entry with a bunch of good jokes, but like he was so nervous. You could tell he was like a little hyperventilating. So it was real fun to see him back in the mix. Uh, on that desk and uh, i do wonder if um if gabe is actually going to show up if there's going to be like the showdown face to face you know where they can like bury the hatchet after all these years <laughs> no probably not but let's talk some counter-strike let's get into it so i have the first uh, the first bit of news is just you know quick comment simple extended the contract with navi for three years feels like three years is starting to become like the standard for the big stars zywu three-year contract simple three-year contract like uh, you know, I guess uh, they didn't, um, Simple didn't think to ask Zipnix how he got such a good deal himself. Uh, so not even Simple can get the five year long deal. But um, Simple extending it out for three years. I don't think that comes as a shock for anybody, though, because I mean, like, he pretty much is Navi. Like, at this point, Simple and Navi are synonymous. And um, he's just, his ties go so deep in the company and he makes so much money out of that company that um, you're, you, you have to, you have to, you have to sign him up. I don't think that comes as a shock to anybody. Do you think that's like the correct player? Is it, um, does that come as a shock to you or is it just news? It can never, as far as I'm aware, ever benefit the top player to sign a long contract. It only ever benefits the org. It's like, we'll play a little game. Give me, see if you can figure out a reason. Like, what, 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 how does Simple benefit from this contract? You give me a reason and I'll counterpoint each one. So give, me like a re what, give me a way it benefits him to have a long contract. Well, no, the question is more of like, how shady is it, the situation? Oh, no, I think it's all shady. Like, for example, I think what you've done there is exploit simple. Because here's the thing. There's a bunch of ways you can go, right? Is simple the best player in the world? Yes. So who benefits more from locking yourself down for three years, simple or Navi? Navi, instantly, because he's the best player in the world. Therefore, that means the second he leaves Navi, they might no longer be the best in the world and he can make the other team the best in the world. So he's just lost all that leverage. Secondly, he signed a deal now. I don't know the terms of it, but it's very rare that you have a, a deal that's variable and changes based on... It's nearly always a flat deal for this much salary for X amount of years. Now, what you do if you're Navi and you're clever is you slightly overpay now and you gamble that in three years, the salaries are way more, and now he's underpaid. By the way, that happens all the time. That actually happened to Bjergsen in League of Legends. A lot of people don't know this. They think Reginald's the best guy ever because he took care of Bjergsen. No, no, what Reginald did was get Bjergsen on one of these deals. It was like a three-year deal or something. And basically, it meant that Bjergsen started on a really good salary. And then by the time it was even the next two years, the market had gone up so much that TSM was actually able to run with like the third biggest budget, but potentially win the league because Bjergsen, the number one player, 
player in the league was paid like I'm going to say like what the fourth or fifth best salary or something so that's actually how the org always wrecks the player now the player if they're naive and young think stupid things like I have security you have no security unless you have a clause in your contract saying you cannot be benched you have zero security because every single contract contains a clause usually that says if you're benched they get an option to reduce your salary now simple maybe if you're smart I don't know that years if you've seen some of the shit he's been saying this year get you can get a clause also I, I get the same money if I'm benched or not. Like you get like, you know, a pay, like a pay or play either way, I get the money. You could do that. Just very few players ever have. And in certain countries, I've even heard maybe Denmark's one of them. You actually can't just bench the guy and like knock his salary ridiculous down. You still have to pay like a decent amount. Maybe it's half or it's some, some countries I've heard it's even the full amount, even if they're benched. So all these factors mean so far, we've yet to find one reason for simple that it's worth doing. So it's not worth it if he's the best. It's not worth it if he's the worst. It's never worth it. And here's in last detail people won't think about. That's really fucking evil. Are you ready? What do you think would happen to Simple culturally if he left Navi, the Ukrainian organization, right now? Do you imagine oh, people would just go, that. well, you know what? You've been a great job. Bon voyage. Off you go to Evil Genius right. or Team Liquid. No hard fit. No, no. What happened to Simple is he'd be treated like an actual traitor to his country. He's almost essentially he it's has already no being treated like that because he advocated for peace at the beginning. Oh, it'll of be way worse. Continent. It'll be way worse than that, mate. People would actually just tell him we'll kill you. I'm telling you right up, straight up now. If you know what's going sure. on over there, they would just tell him that straight up. Like get out. It's essentially say get out the country. Don't ever come back, and we'll kill you if you come. That would be my speculation. Oh, possibly, possibly. So I think this is the worst time he even could have negotiated this. This is the crazy. Flip side, the flip side of it, though, is that Simple is probably the biggest brand in Counter-Strike right now in terms of brand appeal, in terms of uh, he's got a platform, he's got his Twitch, he's got his YouTube, he's got his Twitch, he's got his Twitter, he's got all of that. Like, he has enormous, enormous clout. I think the probably more than Fallen, in a sense, like, he has... No, no, Fallen's got his other businesses. Like, he's Fallen's doing... Like, basically, Fallen and Simple are pretty much the two top dogs, uh, I'd say, in Counter-Strike. So the deal that Simple could make... Like he's probably taking on him alone. He could probably negotiate a deal where he is getting the majority of Navi's resources just funneled directly to him because he has that universe. kind of, he has that kind of value. That's not the way CIS orgs run as far as I know, mate. CIS orgs may as well just be the mafia as far as I can tell. Like they're gangster as fuck, mate. The oh, joke sure, the is, if they're I mean, this is simple. Oh no, here's how like, it would then, work. If you're if you're like if you're Timmy Tuto's coming in from Moscow or whatever, then and you got nothing, well then yeah, they're gonna take advantage. They're gonna probably pay you like three hundred bucks a month and you're gonna be happy because that's still, you know, somewhat in the average salary over there. But like for a guy like Simple who's who has like the international clout and who has clearly, you know, set himself up as the number one with a huge Twitch brand, like all the ads that they run through him and are able to sell off of his brand, do you think that it would be the same kind of circumstance with a guy like Simple versus uh versus like some other guy, some random guy coming in from Moscow or something like that? Oh, what I think is this that the more he gets paid, the less the worst player in Navi gets paid. Hundred percent. That's fucked up. That's not that's not a great scenario for anyone. The joke is in those scenarios, it's like the Saudis. Everyone thinks because the Saudis came in, they're just going to give you loads of money. No, there is going to be immense human suffering to create that money, then to be given to the top person. The joke is they're just going to let you be one step below them on a pyramid of human suffering. And at the bottom, you are going to get the you're going to have the worst life condition and get fuck all to be ground into the dust to make up this pyramid. And at the top, you go just below the capstone of those guys. So the other angle I'd also say is this when you're talking about like making all that money, crazy salary, blah, blah, blah. It's like, think about this similar. How would it ever be bad for a massive org like Navi to publicize that Simple makes the most money in the world by far? 
If in football I pay someone the biggest amount of money, I go out of my way. The CS teams, though, isn't there a cartel going on with the CS teams where they don't share any of that information publicly because they don't want the players to be able to negotiate effectively? I mean, they all fuck each other twenty four seven. So if that's yeah. the one thing they all agree upon, I'd be surprised. I, I also mean, I remember thought, I thought that, that was the case that they're that, that that's that, that's verboten. Like you they don't, don't do you don't it literally. Player salary numbers. Right? How does everyone know how much the device transfer was? Was never revealed publicly. No, it was, not. it was a, it was a, again, but there's plausible deniability there because it's a, it's a, so you do you know, that source or whatever. So you do that. So where's simple salary information? Where, where are the journalists? Yeah, I guess. I don't know. Like how did the journalists get that information the first time around? Right? Like where are the journalists who are out there trying to reach around and figure out like what, the, what, uh, what simple what I'm saying is this similar. The, the journalist doesn't have to go look for it. When the orgs want it, Astralis does it all the time. Nip does it all the time. It gets out there because spoiler, they just give them it. They just tell them yeah. and go, this wasn't for me. There you go. And then they deny, oh, I can't comment on that. You know, sure, 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 sure. And the joke is the end is achieved, which is that people know, guess what? We sold device for loads, aren't we geniuses? Okay, okay. Let's just drop a. right into this yeah. Navi scandal then. The, like let's this, let's, this was going to be one of the topics for later, but actually now that I realize it's like we should probably just do the simple and Navi altogether. But like this ties into what you're talking about in terms of, you know, they just operate differently over there. It's just different expectations for for these kinds of brands. But like, the the uh, the story continued with this uh, this Navi um, ownership change, you know, denies ties with GG Bet, which was their title sponsor, gambling website. Um, across the front of their jerseys, right, GG Bet and bold had that uh, for a year. Get, changed it up with uh, what was it? One uh, one win, one no, X Bet, um, one X Bet, exactly. one that sponsor ESL. Back. Exactly, who now sponsors at ESL, who also have their own problems, and ESL have let that just quietly. Uh, they, they those are still sponsoring HLTV, the rankings on HLTV. There's a bunch of stuff they sponsor on HLTV, but they also Weird, sponsor isn't it, ESL. Semler? Are you ready, guys? Watch out for this. You know how if me or Semler says something that isn't even wrong, it's just they don't like the way it's framed. The Flying DJ, Carmack, Apollo, depends how bad it is. One of them comes instantly like, like a demon summoned into the fucking triangle. And they go, no, actually, that's not exactly the way it's going. And then you can see it. But you've noticed on the 1X bet thing, Radio Silence. You'll never see them on Reddit. You'll never see them on Twitter. You'll never see anything. That's how you know they are utterly fucked and they don't even have a plausible denial. They don't even have an argument. Like they're just actually going, we're just going to keep saying nothing and hope this goes away. That's actually their approach. So yeah. Well, on this one about Navi, by the way, I can summarize the whole story basically like this. So basically the story goes like this. It was revealed that the person who's just bought Navi and it took him years and years to buy it, right? It was implied by an insider. That's the whole reason they even did the one expert thing to try and make it seem like, but we're not just run by GG bet, right? And then what happened was cause the story basically said just the facts, the guy who was involved with GG bet who have been a sponsor of Navi is now the owner of Navi. Here's what happened. Navi came out and denied it, except they didn't. What they actually did, no one reads. No one reads, and then no one uses reading comprehension. What Navi said was this. It's called misdirection assembly. You should understand this. It's literally how politics work in America. They said, we deny completely that GG Bet owns and runs Navi. Nobody ever said that. That was never... Yeah, that's exactly. what you call a Hillary Clinton fact check, where it goes... Someone claims that this person did this thing 10 times. And then they go, that's not true at all. She did it six times plus two times. And another two times might have happened. And so it's not 10. And you go, but that, but that it, they go, no, but I'm, no, it, actually she didn't do it six times similar. It was two threes. That's like how fact checking works. Cause if you don't know guys, the way the fact checkers work on the internet is this. 
They trust that you won't even click the article. So when you don't click the article and you Google fact check this topic, Google does like a little bar on the top of the screen, which is like a brief summary, doesn't it? And all the summary says is like false, mostly false. And the joke is their mostly is like a config mostly. The mostly is just like it's it's right, but mostly sounds like it's not. And so what you do is they trust that you don't click through, you don't read it, you don't go like I just did, but two threes is six. You don't get to that point. You just think it's false, it's false. The first info is false, and then you don't keep reading down. They trust because they're smart, by the way. They've, essentially, it's how um, newspaper journalism works. If you don't know, newspaper journalism works on this concept called like the inverted pyramid, where basically the... The the header, the headline, is the whole story in one sentence, in case all you see is the headline. Then the first paragraph is the whole story in one paragraph, in case you only read the first paragraph and you're on, going on an airport. And then the next paragraphs are like a longer summary. And then if you keep reading, it's why it's actually quite annoying to read the whole article, if you remember. They yeah. keep repeating things. Keep repeating and everything the, over. And then by the end, though, they give you all the info. And you're like, why did I have to? I was tiresome. I had to read like the same thing. Why don't you just give me the info like in order? Because if it was in order, the information wouldn't be received by the maximum amount of people. What they want is every person who in any way interacts with that piece of media to take the core piece of info they want. So in this case, the headline would be, Navi denies like false information about Gigi Bet owning them. An idiot just goes, well, it's not true then, is it? It's not. They don't ask, whoever said Gigi Bet owns them? And by the way, what really is the big difference? Am I missing something about conflict of interest between someone who's involved with Gigi Bet and someone who owns Navi being the same person? Again, like and they're acting like we have to actually see a telegram that goes like doo, 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 from the GGB offices. Navi, uh, we're running you to do this fucked up thing. Like, I don't have to wait for that. Mate. <laughs> All I need is the circumstantial issue to be there. And I can just call it out like that looks fucked up. And then Navi goes, no, but it isn't because it's not technically. And, no, exactly. Like the whole story is a fucking sham as far as I can tell me. Like the joke is they just used misdirection to trick idiots. Because what people like Richard have had to learn over the years is very sad, actually is people don't actually care about who's right and wrong or what the details are. They just care about the drama tick. All they want is like, so for example, the drama goes like this. Ooh, Navi owned by a betting company. That sounds dodgy. Oh, but the journalist didn't do his research. Navi not owned by a betting company. Ah, and then everyone, everyone in the whole scene gets to have their little moment. The ones who hate Navi or conflict of interest go, that's fucking corrupt. I always knew it was corrupt. Then the ones who love Navi go, ah, vindicated, finally, free at last, free at last. Lord almighty, free at last. And then everyone gets to have their stupid moment. And at the end, no one even knows what the actual information was. The joke is, unless Richard just writes this up, I mean, you basically has already, but unless he just writes it in an article and enough people read it because he has a decent viewership, people will never even put this story together. Like, I probably haven't even done that great a job. That's just my basic summary of just, just trying to read the facts, basically, as far as I can tell. I mean, that, that's what it boils down to for the most part is that uh, this owner, Maxim Kripa, who came in and who gained majority owner of Navi in Q4 2018, he's, an, he's a Ukrainian businessman, uh, venture capital investor. And um, the one thing that, you know, from this Navi official statement that had me chuckling was, you know, Maxim never sought publicity or Maxim, Maxim, however you say, however you say his name. In the summer of 2022, Maxim never sought publicity, and we made no public announcements. However, the partner stakeholders and leagues that asked for details about the ownership structure were aware of the deal. So they made no public. They didn't want to draw attention to the fact they that this that guy sound now owns good. Navi. 
Yeah, they, that's make not that, a good thing. they make that sound like a good thing. Like we never even bothered announcing. Yeah, it. we never bothered. Even he doesn't though, want attention. We don't want attention. We don't need to be talking about this at all. It's also, like, here's an here's a question for you. What the fuck? I've read it a million times, man. I still don't understand what I I know they're tricking me. I just don't understand what the exact premise is. What they're trying to say is this: um, he took ownership like years ago, but it wasn't finalized till now. Right. What they want you to imply and infer from that is it's only starting now that he could have had any influence. Right. Wait a minute. So did he take the ownership and get all the position years ago? Because remember, years ago was when Gigi Bet was sponsoring them. And then I've got a quick question for you as an aside. Not only about one expert, but Gigi Bet. Because remember, Gigi Bet, I think, used to sponsor ESL also, didn't they? Didn't they a few years back sponsor ESL? Did they? Oh, on that one? I don't know. I don't know. In terms have a look of, like, here. I'm almost the... certain they did. But uh, yes, it's always the I same ones that just rinse and repeat. So here's a problem I have already. No one ever asks this question either. How the fuck can a TO be sponsored by the same betting company that sponsors one of the major teams in the tournament? Does anyone not see that's an insane Let's not ask that question? Let's not ask that question. <laughs> it's just mental though, isn't it? Like that, like the joke is right, Semler. If Flashpoint dares to put a restream of a game into a client where people play Counter-Strike, where they might want to watch it, that's considered like the most heinous, immoral act to ever take place in esports. And it was corruption and fraud. And essentially, like all of us are scum who should never work. But it's mm -hmm. all fine for like constantly. Like, like the joke here is, right? Dude, the fucking mafia when they ran Vegas and fixed all the fights was, had less fucking obvious holes than this. Like they seemed more legit than this. They was at least in your face. Like, well, obviously we're doing that. Like this. This is outrageous, mate. Like the, the real problem I have is, is I get I get why we care about the story. I just don't know why any fan cares about it if they don't then care about something being done about it. You know what I mean? I don't think that anybody actually at the end of the day does care because it would mean if you were to actually do anything about it, A, you don't have anybody, you don't have any governing body and you don't have, any, there's no political gain either to get the politicians involved so that they start pulling the strings. Like remember how long it took for uh, anybody to do anything about like even skin, the skin gambling back in the day with CSGO lounge and the like, you know, the, you had to bring that to the attention of the politicians like and then the politicians eventually, it, yeah. yeah, got around to telling Valve, but Valve weren't going to do anything about it until somebody literally forced their hands and you know, that's, that turned out to be the politicians. In this case, I mean, there's no governing body in Counter-Strike. There's no, there's no anybody like ESIC, anybody who could go after this in any meaningful way and actually apply sanctions or, or force you to, 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 to end your partnership or force you to end your, your ownership, you know, owning multiple brands like this. You know, like they made a stink about it back then, you know, when it was Astralis owning multiple teams and eventually it got them to split that up. But, you know, you don't see anybody trying to make that kind of stink now here. So... It's a good joke that you said the dreaded S word, sanctions, because there's a story coming up on the same episode, I'm sure, that shows that they don't exist. The Yakinda story? Yeah. No, no, no sanctions. No, because the basic, the joke is, that's also what I've learned as well, is what, what you, this is actually, if you don't know, this is going to be a very shrewd point about how all major businesses in the mainstream work, but I'm just going to make it about esports. If you can infer, you'll understand a very deep point. And if you can't, who gives a fuck? So basically, the effect of sanctions in esports has been this similar. It only fucks over really small, really silly orgs that don't understand any level of abstraction. Every yeah. single top org, the very ones, by the way, that would have the biggest impact if they did do sanctions on the economy of Russia... The biggest ones are just jumping through that loophole. They're flying loop-de-loop -loop planes through that loop and biplanes through that fucking loophole. So they're, the joke is, are you ready? The sanction, or in, in a different industry, you could call it regulation. There's the breadcrumb. The regulation allows through all the worst offenders 
the very people they pretend to regulate against, and actually acts as sort of a troll that demands a toll on a bridge from the little guy. So almost the regulation of the industry fucks the little guy and just helps with a competitive advantage, the big guy. But I thought it was all about helping, but it isn't. The joke is, that's how evil people are. They'll use something like, oh, people are dying over there. We've got to help them. Right, what would you suggest? Um, fuck all my rivals that are small and give me a bigger advantage. Well, wait a minute. How would that stop money that going help? to them? How does that help yeah. people, people over there? Burgers. <laughs> exactly. That's the meme. There you go. There you go, mate. There you go. Exactly. I'm sorry. Like, that how, same how burgers all brought me out of that for a Tinder second. Paid his buyout. How much do you want to bet that he paid his buyout and he's just going to get that money back from Liquid? Listen, that's one of the ones where... This is where it's going to sound mad. Normally, I would say 99% that you got the buyout. I'm going to give it 80-20. 80% likely got the buyout. I'm going to put 20% in there because I do think he is stupid and young enough that he might have just done it as well. But I also think somehow in the future, they would have recompensated him, even if it wasn't like overtly behind the scenes agreed to it, right? But here's the reason why it's so suspicious. Because they... They don't. Here's the thing I hate about esports, right, mate? They don't try to make it some elaborate, like Christopher Nolan script where all oh, oh, that's what happened. The third act, shit. Sure, they don't sure. try to do that. They just make it like a really obvious misdirection. Like, look over here, and if you don't, you just see them in their other hand take a gun out. Like, I can, are you getting a gun out? No, just look over here, the shiny thing, right? All they did was this similar. They didn't even have the fucking decency to just wait until like a few days before the major to announce him. What they did was this. The news came out like, Yakindar buys himself out. Totally just him on his own, buying himself out. Doesn't even have an org he's going to. I wonder where I'll go. Hmm, I can't wait to join the future team. I'm going to explore my options, says Yakindar. Then it's like, four hours later, Welcome, Yakinda, to Team Liquid. It's like, you haven't even fucking tried. It may as well, you may as well have just walked in, Steve Arch and Rick Nazgul, and just gone, I need to deliver my laundry not to Russia. Can you take this, please, Yakinda? Oh, what's that? You're going to pay your own buyout. Remember to deliver my laundry not to Russia. Like, uh, yeah, we get it. We get it. We get it. You obviously just fucking paid it out. But here's the real point to make on this story. And you know what? It's exactly the point people like Team Liquid did this to avoid. Here's the point to make. I'm not making a moral judgment. I'm pointing out what other people said, Samler. Other yes. people implied publicly there was a moral imperative that would literally save lives in the Ukrainian Russian conflict, if you denied um, financial ties to Russia, they couldn't profit and enrich their economy was the term being used. So here's what's happened. Team Liquid, just like Cloud9, have directly... Uh, that's in, They have indirectly, but by the with Allegedly. the exact <laughs> same outcome, enriched the Russian economy. Even worse, this is the point Richard always makes... Because they've done it through this fucked up sanction world, they've actually also done it where essentially the joke is they've probably actually in an opportunistic way exploited that very conflict to get these players. Here's the question. Would Yakindar be in Team Liquid without the Ukraine conflict? Almost certainly not. Virtus Pro would still be playing. They were a top team. They'll be going. Would yeah. the guys from Gambit be in exactly. Cloud9? Almost, almost certainly not. Almost certainly not. It's very, very unlikely that they would have got. So the joke becomes the same people virtue signaling that they're good guys are actually doing not only like morally questionable things on their own precedent set, but they're actually in even more gross sort of looking. It's like wartime profiteering and going, ooh, if I get in there, I could make a killing. Not that type of killing. Although I will finance that. Like, what is this? Like, that's where they should. That's why I 
always say the charade of esports, it isn't just even like silly, it's actually gross. Like, because it's it's someone saying basically, like, it's like the Frankie thing of like, I wouldn't work with people who kill my friends. What about for a billion dollars? Well, you can't eat friends. You know what I mean? Like, what? okay. You changed your tune. What the fuck? What, what do you stand for? Money. Yeah, I get it. No, I get but it. that's the thing. It's like they don't change their tune. They just do it and then hope that you don't notice. Like they, they that is that is literally it. And and it clearly, clearly it they can keep getting away with it. Exactly. Clearly, nobody, nobody. No wants one's going to put boycott two and two ESL. Together. No one's going to boycott Team Liquid. No, no one's going to boycott Simple. No one's going to boycott anyone. The joke is, there's the other thing, Sam, that I've learned about how inverted the world is. If the world wasn't inverted, here's what would happen. You'd take good people who are trying their best, and if they occasionally failed, you'd go, well, you know what? In totality, you're doing good. See if you can do better in the areas you're failing, but what a great job you're doing. And then you'd get evil people and go, you're so scum, even one good act from you doesn't make up for it. Here's how inverted the world of esports is, similar. If you're ESL doing dodgy deals with betting companies that are fucking bankrupt, if you're ESL allowing like the same sponsor as one of your title sponsors of a fucking team playing your tournament, if you're these teams saying that sanctions are right and that you support Ukraine, but then financing Russia and making... If you're those people, it's the opposite. You get essentially... They go up, yeah, but I do like simple though. Yeah, but I want to see your Kinder and Liquid, you're sick with entries. Oh, I have to watch the fucking IM Rio. It's going to be a banger. Then when someone like me or you comes along, Sembler, who absolutely in act and deed has repeatedly been moral, been upstanding, been virtuous. Richard revealed the other day on a video, his words, not mine, that when me and Richard, out of the three, me, Richard and Monty, me and Richard vetoed the idea of taking the Saudi money once we knew that that's where it was going to come from. Because the day before that, it was just coming from Face It Partners, basically. And the amount Richard claims, not me, Richard said this, was that we had to veto a $6 million deal. Right, let me know which person who says I'm scum and that I'm the problem in eSports, let me know which of them has ever turned down something like $6 million somewhere. Not a single one. They wouldn't even turn down 60K. The joke is, like I said, this is how it's inverted. The evil people, if they do one good thing, are great people because we enjoy their product. The good people are scum if they do anything even perceived as over the line or question, morally questionable. It's an inverted oh, space. Isn't that the, like the no good, no good deed goes unpunished? Oh, it is. You know? That's the way esports works. That's uh, yeah. That's it. Feels yeah. It feels like it just keeps on uh, keeps on rolling that way. Um, and. It, it it is what it is. I think um, I did a poll like when all this when when all of this um just to get like an idea. I did a poll on Twitter, you know, of like, uh, do you care where the money comes from or do you just want to watch CS? And it was something like sixty five percent, seventy percent, you know, just said they didn't care. They just they just, they'll just watch CS. The thirty percent were lying. Spoiler. But no that's, one's, that's no one's ever boycotted a tournament ever. It's never happened. <laughs> I mean, the thing is, is that we can complain all we want, but we're still here watching as well. So that's also that's why I don't make moral moral pronunciations, though. You know, yeah. Notice I don't say I support anyone because guess what? My actions then would betray that I don't. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know. Yeah, this is that's that's where it's, it's just, it just gets really tricky once you start trying to hold the line like that. Um, this Yakinder situation, though, I mean, it, it just it just continues to show that. Uh, that you know that the, the, there's there's a public facing kind of narrative going on right now and they fi they figured out that there was a there was that upswell at the beginning to get the support and that everybody wants their good boy pats and everybody wants to get that that public you know virtue signal of like oh look we're all on the same team we're all in this together but over and over again it shows that behind the scenes they're trying to do something else and they're taking advantage like you say and this whole yakinder situation is just the next one and then it's a question of like where we're going to go from here but um 
there is no there is no governing body. There is no regulating body. There is like Valve don't want to do that. There is Isik. These guys don't have that kind of power. And I mean, the thing is, is like when you start getting into the CIS region, then you're dealing with people who will show up at your door. You know, it's like those the, like you're starting to deal with people who actually will fuck you up if you start messing with their money, messing with their business. And like Richard, Richard has had that experience in the past where he was starting to break stories. And, you know, turns out uh, there's some people that showed up and said, hey, you should stop doing that. Otherwise, bad things are going to happen. It's like, oh, OK, now we're playing for keeps. Now we're playing for realsies. Like you can go to you can go and talk shit about Danish companies or U.S. companies or all those all day, all day long. But uh, you start fucking around with the CIS region and all of a sudden it starts getting real, real fast. And I don't think anybody is willing to, to, to go that far either uh, to try and like really look into these Ukrainian deals, really look into these, uh, these, uh, the Navi deal, for example, and all that, these Navi situations, you know, like it's, it's where it starts getting weird. <laughs> What's got you chuckling? Cause here's the thing. I wonder how in these deals where the player buys himself out, does he still have to give 10% to the big guy? Uh, <laughs> yeah, that is, uh, Obviously, the owner of the org would talk about it. Just gets the ice What else would I be referred to? Exactly. Yeah. 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 I mean, the Navi one is really killing me, especially, you know, I mean, it's the thing. I want to ask you a question because essentially, I almost feel like we get baited on this shit. Like me and Richard did it a million times. We just went round in circles on all the conflicts of interest, all the immoral things in the scene. This person said this, but they did this. What I find is this, right? What's fucked up is, because I do care about that. I do care about these topics about are people being moral? What are they doing? Like, who are we funding? Yeah, You want people to stick to the rules. What are the implications of what we're doing, right? I feel like when I get involved like that, and at the end, the outcome's the same every time. The fan goes well, I'm still going to watch. And then it's like, but you're the person who's trying to get Carlos cancelled. Yeah, but that was just a tweet. I want to watch I Am Cologne. And then the, and then you go, well, what about these teams that are working with companies that you think are corrupt and they're bankrupt? Yeah, they got simple though. I like him though. It's like, no, no, but you said that like that Valkyrie girl or whatever couldn't have like a fucking makeup line because it wasn't like an amazing makeup line. Yeah, but I don't watch your stream anyway. It's like, wait a minute. So uh, it, there never ever was a moral discussion. I'm the fool. That was the magician's distraction. I was watching like a moral discussion and said, hmm, how does it work out? And over here, you guys were just going, yeah, all we're doing is just fucking people we don't like and then not fucking people we do like. It's like, but we, why but we I... only like them this week, and we'll fuck them next week if we. If, yeah, but if we no, no, they, Navi will never get fucked. ESL will never get fucked. They've proven that consistently. These people can never be destroyed or fucked. They can do anything they want. By the way, do you know what people will even do? The same people who hate right wing politics, Semler. If ESL was to like fuck me and uh, say I worked an event for ESL and they just didn't pay me, do you know what fan reaction would be? Like, lol, giga chat, yeah, well. based. They owned you. The same people who, if I stole money from someone in the scene, would lose their minds and never, the Reddit threads would never stop. They'd be, buy cut him, buy cut. They're like, giga chat, based. <laughs> like, it's like, there is no moral compass. So, in this scenario, like I said, I actually think we're the fools that get baited, mate, because we actually invest our emotion into this topic. And then in the end, there's no outcome. We just wasted our time feeling upset about it. When if we actually just took like the black pill, we knew it was fucked. Like the real scenario here is this. The only actual sane solution left for CSGO esports is to just get the match and just chuck it on the whole thing as you walk out the door and let the whole thing burn. That's all that's left. Speaking of which, there is that uh, story that just broke out the match fixing story from an ex ESIC employee, right? That does, like, if you wanted to follow this all the way down, because we do know that there's still coaches, you know, there's still ESIC investigations going on about the coach scandal. There's still, that they haven't released all the information on yet. There's match fixing stories that haven't been uh, that haven't been finalized yet. And now Jackson just released an article where a former um, 
wait, why did my, hold on, my article, my link is not accurate here, what the hell? What? Where did the link go? Uh, my bad. Okay, we got the uh, tweet instead. But Jackson did release a story where an ex-employee, an ex-ESIC employee um, has published a list of names, and it's a long list. It's uh, <laughs> including um, essentially one Danish team, you could say. Uh, the most, you know, Copenhagen Flames are involved in this, but essentially it's a, it's a list of players that could have been involved in match fixing, allegedly. And also in hacking, radar hacking, allegedly, according to this ex ESIC employee. And it's a long list. It includes names like Waro2K. It includes names like Giga Chad Hooksy. It includes names like Wonderful. Uh, and then you're going down Perfecto, assumed. Uh, you know, like you're talking some big names here Hobbit, assumed. Dexter, assumed. Nikodos, Roy, Roy, you know, on here. So it does really make you wonder just how much is going on in in this uh, in this space right like how deep does the rabbit hole go in terms of the match fixing in terms of just the the, the shifty shit going on in the background and is it t- if you were to light it on fire without knowing like this is the question okay like without knowing where the where the black powder goes because it goes around the corner just like how far it's gonna go like do you light that match and just let it all burn up and then build, rebuild from the ashes because it feels like now, like these guys are, they're not going to be able to actually do anything like sanction these guys, these players. Because if you follow the rabbit hole down, you may end up sanctioning some major stars, some major teams. Like you would never actually be able to execute any of the sanctions because you'd be sanctioning half of the half of the scene. I mean, what I don't understand about that is, I'll ne- I'll never understand group think on that because I'm I'm a very different person. Everyone else would tell you what you just suggested, like no, because then there's no scene. It's like no, no. What you said is you agree in an individual case this is a crime and you must punish them very heavily. So what if five people do it? Yeah, punish all five the same. What if ten people do it? Punish all there ten the same. What if twenty do it? Yeah, twenty's fine. What if it's five hundred? Well, that's too many. Well, uh, no one can get punished then. Well, that's just then you're corrupt. Here's the thing. I can't help that like there's going to be people get away with the crime. The only thing I can tell you is this. If a crime exists and you have the punishment in place, you must punish everyone that can be caught. There are people you will never catch. There's bank robbers that will get away. There's also scenarios, by the way, this is the thinking that they use in society. It's called too big to fail. I don't believe it's real, Semler. I've never seen a single thing that was too big to fail. What I think that means is that just means the fix is in and we're not going to punish ourselves. It's the same thing with the sanctions. Guess what? The little guy gets fucked. If you're a little guy and you rip off the financial system you go to prison for life mate you'd be destitute if the whole financial system rips each other off and all of us they just say well you know in the nfl both penalties cancel each other out and then they continue on with the game like that's what happens you You just let the big dog through and the little guy gets fucked so same thing all over again that even sounds like something they probably say in the cis region like some fucking mad after party let the big dog in and the little guy gets fucked Everyone's gathered in a circle, like, oh, oh. <laughs> who's, <laughs> who's going to be the little dog today? <laughs> it's a dominance thing. <laughs> it's just so horrible to think that this is exact. This is like the state of things, you know, where uh, you could legit have these guys who are now starting to investigate these players, right? Because I guess if this is true, right, this is an ex, ex, a former ESIC employee, you would think that this guy would have the juice then, or at least on something. He would have come into contact with some investigations. He would have come into contact with something. So it's like, does that lend this enough credibility to start trying to act on it? And then also, like, if this isn't the full list, just how, do, just how deep does this go? 
Like this is uh, this is really where it gets it gets frustrating. But I I the the thing is is like if you want to be consistent, like you say, and actually try to have rules that you live by and, and try to have like, okay, we established these are the rules. We're all going to play by these rules. Okay. Now we need to punish the people who don't respect these rules. Then yeah, it doesn't matter if it's 10 or a hundred or 200, you need to nuke all of them. And uh, there needs to be some kind of punishment going on where you ban them for a period of time, whatever, whatever the, 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 whatever the, the, the punishment must be, there needs to be some kind of, um, some kind of action taken. I mean, if not, I'll spin it the other way. If not, if it turns out that there's too many people, then now what we have to do, literally, is we have to reverse every other match-fixing ban and punishment. And are you ready? Oh, it's worse. Logically, we have to now pay them compensation for the unfair punishment they received. Any lost earnings, we've got to recoup that for them. We've got to put them back on teams, and we've got to re-give them their status in the community. Some of that's impossible. We've got to do it. Because either it's fair's fair. There's no... Like, it's capricious if you're just like, well, this person fucked up, but... There are too many of them, so you can't do it. It's one or the other. So it's a question of consistency. How can how consistent can you be with this whole thing? And there's an implication people don't even read into this. That's obvious. Either it's a made-up story. There's two scenarios here that are likely. It's a made-up story by an ex-employee, so they could be disgruntled because they've been let go or they've been fired or something happened, right? Or, and this is the one no one's thought about similar. If this is real then why is Isik ignoring it? Why is Isik sitting on it? Why is Isik not acting? Because here's the problem. We discussed Isik to death on this show as well when Richard was here. My position was always the same. Show me something. Oh, you're talking a good game, but I want to see it. Show oh, me an e action. Yeah, you, you know what yep. you're doing. That You know what the fuck. That you, you can do what you say you can. Every time they have stepped up to the plate, they've basically fucking swung and missed. Like, even the initial ones, you're going to go, no, no, the initial round, they got it. No, they didn't, because they were like three, four more rounds, and every round that came was diminishing returns, wasn't it, guys? Suddenly, you didn't get, like, the million major ban, like, raging. Suddenly, instead, you were sort of like, well, you get a small ban. Then it was like, oh, actually, because Zonic's sort of cool, and, you know, maybe he didn't cheat as much, he just doesn't even get a ban. Oh, what's yeah. that? Peacemaker gets a ban, exactly. but he has a lawyer, so now he gets his ban revoked, and we apologize. Like, now they, they are completely toothless now, dude. I don't even know what the point in sort of going, save us, Isik is. Like, Isik's dead. There's not, what is Isik, no you know? No, I, I agree. There is no point. And it's exactly, it happened exactly as you said. And right from the beginning, you're just wondering, okay, who would actually enforce the sanctions? Is it going to be ESL? ESL aren't going to want to do that because if they start banning players, then they are, they're impacting their product, which is the tournament. They need as many viewers as possible. And if all of a sudden, I don't know, Zywoo, Simple, somebody's, somebody, somebody, one of their big players or one of their big brands, you know, one of their big brands involved in their product is, is implied in this, they're hurting their product. They don't want that. So it's not like you're going to be turning to ESL or Blast to, 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 to regulate you know the the players uh they're, they're not going to want to harm their their product they need everything that they can get to survive in the industry as it is so you know if it's not going to be the tos it's not going to be valve valve have shown <laughs> valve have shown it that you have to literally go above and beyond to get them to step in to do anything at all and when they do step in it will be the bit the book thrown at you they'll make an example out of you so they don't ne necessarily need to do this again and then they'll fuck off back to doing whatever they do on vr so it's not valve and so it's like you, you, and, and these organizations, they, they have no teeth then. Isik, what, what is Isik going to do? They, they don't have, they need the TOs. They need the teams to cooperate. If the TOs and the teams don't cooperate, if they take it in private to, to ESL and ESL tell them to go fuck themselves, well, well you know, what, what are they going to do? They're going to come out and just say like, well, like, are they going to make it public at that point? Is that something that they can, is like, do you think that that's the, the, the next step is that could they could they be effective if you were to if they were to say okay this these are our findings we're going to make it public and then they kick the ball into ESL's court essentially they kick the ball down to and say like okay now it's on ESL to actually do something about this 
<laughs> because public outcry, because perhaps you know there's enough public outcry where it would brew enough of a public interest that then the the TOs do actually have to act. But then, how do they how do they act and how do they keep consistent? So you know, there's let's say in a hypothetical world that isn't our world, similar. There was a giant organization that ran a professional wrestling um, circuit. And I don't mean wrestling like high school wrestling. I mean theatrics and, you know, stage and showmanship. And the fights are all fixed in this hypothetical world, right? Imagine this hypothetical company said, well, we actually really care about steroid abuse. So what we're going to do is we're going to test our people with wrestlers and we're going to make sure that they don't do steroid abuse, right? Well, first of all, in the hypothetical world I'm talking about, they obviously all do steroids. Like anyone who knows anything about muscle building knows they have to be doing steroids. It's just logical, right? And in this scenario, if you're that company, you'd be a fool to actually test it. You'd be very smart to say you're going to test for it. You'd yeah. even be smart if occasionally you fed one person to the wolves to make it appear that you have a legitimate testing program. But in doing so, you actually ran cover for your own business because you're incentivized to have them be muscly and to not get caught doing steroids that in fact this would actually be the obvious way you would play it right so now here's the question why does anyone trust esl as you just said it goes directly against esl's interests to try and push out people doing these things especially if any of them are top players top teams they need those teams. They need those players. They don't want to punish those guys. I mean, as you as you put it this way, we all know that if it was some guy who wasn't at the ESL level, they'd put you banned from the tournament for life. If it was someone who's on Navi, you wouldn't be banned for life. We all know that. It's just the same way it runs in all these sports. It's 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 exactly it's exactly like what uh, Navi were talking about. Like what we were talking about a couple of weeks ago with uh, the Navi situation. Uh, where they, they come out publicly saying that they don't want to associate with any Russians in the organization. They go so far, exactly as you just pointed out, right? They go so far as to ban, like, r the Russian face-it admins, you know, for the Navi team. So those guys, they get yeeted. But, uh, you know, they set out these terms, like, we don't want to work with anybody. But then, you know, it turns out that Electronic and Perfecto are not following those terms and that they're still based in Russia and nothing's changed there and it's been put on hiatus. But that team is still playing under the Navi brand. Those guys are still playing on the team and nobody's really picking up that topic anymore. Nobody's really talking about that anymore, huh? So it's not about all of a sudden when, you know, it could really seriously impact your main team for the organization that the whole organization is built on. Well, then it, all of a sudden it's a uh, let's 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 ignore that and hope it goes away because maybe we spoke out of turn or we're not actually going to follow up on anything there because those that could have real impact on us that's just one example of that happening right now so oh. ah, it is what it is i mean it is what it is it's it's just one of those one of those stories that pops up we'll see if anything comes of this esic thing if there's going to be any, any other developments keep an eye on jackson for more they've been pretty banger right now you know um they've been pretty uh they've been doing good work and i mean we can talk about the, the next little bit here because i know you've already had one uh one uh topic on it but uh, speaking of Jackson, they've been keeping on top of the uh, config saga, and uh, I would like to get your your thoughts on this uh, because I've talked about it at length on my stream in the mornings, <laughs> and it feels like the more information we get, the more it sounds just like there there are certain people like I, I've had this experience with friends and and uh, and a family member where you you give them alcohol and they just change they they like. Some people handle booze one way and other people, they just get angry or they just, they, all of a sudden they get, they get confrontational, they get angry, they just change. And it could be in, in the span of a beer. You can give them like two beers and they're a different person. And the more, the more it seems, the more, the more the, this story develops in terms of 
clearly, you know, Config, he's going to these clubs, he's going to these bars, he's drinking, and shit gets out of hand real fast from the, from what we're seeing here because there was a there was a further story uh, developed here where Config apparently got aggressive with staff at IEM Cologne. And he and he got aggressive with staff at the hotel, but he got aggressive with staff as well. He apparently got into a physical altercation with an actual commentator, like with an actual uh, oh, member talent, talent member. I believe he said, yeah. And so, like, I don't know, I don't know uh, the story. I don't know any. Like, this is the first I've heard of it, but I've never heard of that happening before. Like, I've never heard of a. a I actually like, knew this story already. Apart from the hell in the cell, like, I don't know of any like player actually confronting uh, a talent. Do you, do you have you heard of something oh, like that before? I not only knew about this story, I even implied it. Like, I've heard of this happening before while he was in Astralis. I even know the fucking commentator. I could tell you off air if you want. But the other thing, it's not even a commentator, it's a member of talent. That's all I'll say. I, I'm going to purposely keep it vague so no one can try and guess. It's just because there's loads of talent in there. The thing is this. Uh, it's I, like I was going to go through a guess and we could actually try and figure out like who, who it could be just by deducing. But you already know. That's the problem. Like, I've intentionally not tried to find out because I wanted to try and guess right, and see. Okay. No, no, <laughs> just, I'm not like, who would Config pick a fight with out of the casters? But like, fair enough. Who? Um, you don't need to tell me, but like, uh, what's what, what were you going to say? Sorry, I got you off. There's also been loads of scenarios like this in the past. So, like, for well, example, like actual fights. No, people just trying to have fights like this, but then the fight not happening. I mean, they've been real ones. First brother punch Kirby in the face. Like, I am okay, okay. fucking a PGL cracker. There's one. That's one, but that's player on player. I'm, I'm talking now, player I, on player on talent. I, as far as I know, even one of the same talent members that might be in this story almost got into a fight with some fucking pro player like closing a poker or something years ago. Okay, then. I remember one where another player who was uh, himself a major champion threatened to fight a member of talent who I'm close with. This happened many times, mate. The difference is the other people aren't such repeated dickheads that it comes out in the press. They don't do stupid things like this guy did. Like, here's what, like, I'll give you the whole breakdown on this because I'm not going to make another video that can't be fucked. And also, Richard has, has gone through every one of these stories in great detail. And he's made some really great points on his YouTube channel. So what I'll say is this. Let's Mr. just start with, um, let me think on the last part. Let's just start with this part. So... Config absolutely fucked himself on all these stories with how he responded to the first story. Mostly. Remember what he did? He came out and he said, this guy has come to me and said this story is going on. And I was like, go away, stop saying this. And then, and then basically he wanted me to tell him something about the story, but I just didn't want to. And it's all nonsense. And then he goes, and it's mostly BS, right? Then later... The story comes out, as far as we can tell, none of it's BS. In fact, Config doesn't even, when telling the truth, tell you what part was BS. He doesn't even infer. As far as we can tell, everything Jackson said was right from the eyewitnesses' testimony and the info they had behind the scenes. And Config just said, it's all correct in, in by inference and then told you even more. And half the stuff he said that was even more looked like it played favorably, but actually played way, way worse. Like when you find out he chased after the guy, like Richard said in his video, the best case scenario for config was he did that to the other guy. He fucked it. He chased a man down and broke his leg and fucked him up in the street and kicked his head in. That's what clearly was going to happen. Oh, but it happened to him. So suddenly we're supposed to feel sorry for him. So this guy's repeatedly being an arsehole, getting in people's faces while drunk. Do not. We're supposed to feel sorry that once in ever, the world went, you know what? Time for you to actually find out what happens when you do that to the wrong person. As opposed to an esports talent or somebody who actually knows who you are or maybe doesn't want to fight you like a hotel staff, etc. So uh, what to, to headline... Asshole takes liberties, gets his comeuppance. 
Poor boo-hoo. Tiniest failing ever. Oh, fucking hell. He can't just go around being drunk and obnoxious, still getting paid like a fucking king's ransom and threatening to beat people up when he can't fight. Oh, well, fucking hell. I'm, oh, fucking hell. I'm so sad. I'm not sad about that at all. I actually hope he, everyone who does that sort of behaviour eventually gets their consequences. And then, by the way, his consequence isn't even car place. Yes, anymore. Like, damage for life. Like, brain... No, no, that. He's probably going to go and heal up, become a pro player again. He'll eventually be on a good team because the industry doesn't give a fuck. And he'll probably even be like... Might even get back to where he was even. And, have, and ultimately just be set back a little bit. But, by the way, what would have happened to that guy if he'd have beat him up? Would he have just got his job back and his life back? Who the fuck knows? No one cares is the point. So then also, Config, by telling his truth or whatever, notice he did what's called the lie of omission. You claim you're telling the truth, but you purposely leave details out, which means you're lying because you're saying I'm telling you the truth, but I didn't tell you the whole truth. Well, there is no the whole truth. It's just truth. So basically, did Config in his statement mention, oh, and by the way, I also did this while under the Astralis banner previously. I just didn't end up having a fight. I just was an obnoxious arsehole. No, no, he never even implied this was like an ongoing trend. This, he made it sound like he made a mistake. No, no, it's not a mistake when you repeatedly do the same thing over and over again. Knowingly, you don't make any attempt to correct it and you just get caught one day. That's just called making more mistakes. Like, that wasn't a mistake. Like, you just did, you just made a lot of bad decisions. That's not even a mistake. So he lied by omission. Didn't also, you'll notice, he said that he's going to get help for all the psychology. He didn't actually establish, I have a problem with drinking. I might have in that one case. He didn't say, like, this is a, I've got a track record of this. I've had it happen to me before. Then here's another one for you. Because he already had done this in the past, you think in that scenario, then Astralis should be, like, forgiving of him. No. If it's happened multiple times, why should Astralis give him any more rope? Why should he get to keep playing for them? Well, he's, so he's allowed to not only tarnish their reputation at a previous event, and, and by the way, have one of their players be being an arsehole to talent, but the people who literally enabled their game and their players to fucking exist. And then also, he's then allowed to fuck up to the extent he can't even attend the RMR and play. He couldn't have. He, he was trapped in Malta. He couldn't fly. And then he had a fucked up leg and he couldn't even sit up and he was crying and he was in pain. And in doing so, they had to take an incredibly inferior roster to the RMR and have no chance whatsoever of qualifying. That means, as Richard pointed out, he cost them millions of dollars. He cost all of his teammates hundreds of thousands of dollars. He cost them the chance to be in a major. If you're someone like Farley, by the way, when are you going to get a play in a major? This was your exactly. chance. You're not going to. And even worse, if you're Farley, you're still probably getting booted out anyway when, when device comes in. You're going to lose your job because of this. You didn't even get the one crack you've been working for all this time. So when you add it all up, like the whole thing's just fucking whack. And then his only argument when he came out was like, same thing again, similar. Like, oh, but, but I didn't quite do it like how they said. You know, he came out on Twitter and said that. So as I just said to him on Twitter, when you're really drunk, how can you remember what you did? It's not like it was filmed, you fucking arsehole. Like, as, am I the only one who thinks this? You know, nobody, when they're drunk, is getting an accurate, like, fucking experience of their perceptions. Like, the joke is, have you ever been around people where you go out, and you know when, like, in the UK, there's a famous thing they say, it's not even true, but they just say it to stop you being an arsehole. You know, if you're on antibiotics, they tell you, oh, you can't drink on those. And so if you go out that night, you have to not drink beer or alcohol, right? Because they claim it's, you know, interaction. it doesn't. You can look it up, there's nothing. It's just that they don't want you to be drunk and on antibiotics and ill, right? They know that would be a bad combo. So if you've ever done this, because it was a famous thing in the UK, people used to say that as, like, an urban legend so they would do it, right? If you ever go out and you don't drink and you're with your friends who are your normal drinking buddies, 
dude, an hour in, you won't even recognize them. You'll be like, are these really my friends? Like, they're, they're just assholes. Like, they, they, these aren't funny. The jokes, like, the vibe's all off. Like, the frequency that we're both on is really different at this point. They're talking way too loud in my ear, leaning in too much, you know, like that fucking meme where that guy's like, talking that woman in a like, There's all that, because that's what happens to your perceptions when you're on drink, drugs, etc. It skews them all. You think you're being the most entertaining, funny, charismatic guy ever. In Conflict's case, you maybe even think, all I was doing was just telling him off a little bit sternly. In reality, you're saying, yeah, you're fucking bad. You know who I am. I'm pumping. I'm fucking banging in the head. I'm fucking getting... Give me a flash, guys. Give me a flash. That's what you're doing. And then scenario, the next morning, you wake up. Oh, I mean, I remember I did uh, quite sternly tell him, like, I, I didn't want to be removed from the area and that I'd had a couple of drinks with the gents and a spritzer, but I think this is very unfair the way I'm being treated. I'm I'm a player at your event. And like, yeah, fuck you. Like, we all know what perception's like, mate. That's just nonsense. Like, has no one ever been drunk? This is how you know this community is full of fucking idiots. How do people not just see that and instantly go, well, that's just nonsense, isn't it? Same as that story. Richard pointed this out. I didn't even clock this myself. You know, in the story, when he told his truth about what happened in Malta, he says that he ran after the guy who he claims earlier has kicked him in his face and pushed him down some stairs and hurt his ankle. He yeah. ran after him just to tell him, like, hey, mate, I'm going to report you to the police. And then that was just going to be it. Anyone who believes that, like, I've got a bridge to sell you in Brooklyn, you fucking clown. That's just not even, that's not even, he, he's he's actually not even very smart. That's a terrible lie. Like, the joke is, can, like, mate, you even play for the org that are some of the best liars in esports. Hit him up. Not writing up, yeah, get, exactly. Get, yeah, no, ask Nicola and I, I'm your boy. Tell him, come on, mate, can I have a little bit of that pixie dust? Ooh, oh, look. Oh, I was trying to be a seventh man or something, you know, do some shit like that. You know, like this guy's terrible at lying. And the worst thing is he just keeps doing it. That's the worst thing. At least be good at lying if you're going to do it. Like, give again, give me the reach around. This is fucking ridiculous. So the, the whole thing falls apart. As usual, the Jackson report seems entirely accurate. Config has yet to establish a single fact they have ever lied about or even tell you the details. Now, I'll, I'll just refer to an earlier story that you might all be aware of. Remember when, through this show on Twitter, I pushed Simple on the fact that he kept claiming he hadn't been like an arsehole by like doing that weird emojis towards Obor. And so to try and show me up like every pro would do if they think they've got the goods, he leaked a DM, didn't he? He brought what he thought was evidence. That was circumstantial. But he thought, I've got the receipts. I've got the deets. And he threw them out there because that sort of shuts you straight up. Why is Config never doing that? Because he hasn't got fucking anything. The joke is, and this is obviously true, he hasn't got a leg to stand on. That's it. He's fucked, isn't he? So I think the whole thing's just a, an absolute joke, mate. And I also think I'm so sick of this because I have heard stories of this before. You know what? I won't name names, but I've even had a pro player try to do that to me at an after-party assembler. Go right to my face and keep, like, doing that thing. That, by the way, luckily, I've known enough about Americans to know that this isn't, like, back in the Northeast and no fight would ever come from this. In America, what you do is this. You keep moving into the person like that so they have to move back, right? And what you're trying to do is there's two ways it goes. Either if they do nothing you didn't want to fight anyway because spoiler no one starts like that if you want to fight you walk up and punch the guy what you do is you push like that to make him seem like he's cuckolded and he has to move back or you don't know if this will happen but say he was to push you off him now it seems to the outside person like he started the fight and you are allowed to punch him now i've had people try to do that to me and all that by the way it's very easy all you do is you just de-escalate the situation you just go 
no, what's going on? Why are you moving into me? By the way, you can even do that. You turn it back on. Why do you keep moving into me? Why do you want to get inside my space, mate? When you say it like that, they get all frightened. What do you mean? I'm not. What do you mean? I'm not. You're the one trying to get mad. No, I'm not, mate. I'm just having a conversation. Why are you getting so upset? You just sit. They start de escalating. You can bring, use the pressure against them. Basically, I've seen players do that a bunch of times, mate. It's just normally like this scenario here. What happens is the member of talent, you know how talent are, they don't, no matter, even if you're the most egotistical okay. talent of all time, you always think of yourself below the player. You always think, he's a celebrity, you're fuck, he's a star player, I can't do that. They're always trying to accommodate the pro player. They're never trying to be a massive arsehole to him. That's why that whole Richard and Lauder thing was one of the rare examples ever where another motherfucker found out what happens when you fuck around. He found out, yeah, and that wasn't even as bad as the config Boys, one. Yeah. And and yes, by the way, there's also why if your talent, welcome to the nightmare. If you defend yourself against a drunken asshole who wants to do you harm, you're the one who will be dragged over the coals for the rest of your life. You do know that happened in 2015, Semler where Richard defended himself against a drunk, not a drunk, just a fucking idiot daughter player trying to headbutt him. And for seven years, people have said the same lies about Richard because he tried to defend himself. That's what happens if you're the talent and you respond. So what happened to Config was this. He's, his whole fucking career, he's been in this little bubble of after parties and teammates and orgs and people working. And these are all people where the joke is it's like the help if you're like the guy staying in the penthouse at the hotel. They have to take your shit. They have to let you push the line a bit because you're the special guest, aren't you? And what happened was he was so conditioned, my theory, my speculation, he was so conditioned to being used to being treated like that that he tried to do it to a guy who probably has like mob connections in Malta. And guess what? He fucked around. He found out. That's just called the law of the universe, mate. That's, that's what should happen. It does. It does. Now that you mentioned What's your it, take on this? No, but that, I mean, this is, uh, you, you did a bang up job. I think uh, that's, you're, you're bang on the money in terms of uh, like the mostly bit. You knew right from that moment that this was going to stink to high heaven and that there was going to be, that, that it wasn't going to add up. It wasn't going to stack up because you can't in a tweet, in a response to an article like that, say mostly it's either all in, like you say, either you, you embrace and you go for the lie and you say, it's all bullshit. Fuck them. Like they're lying. You know, fuck these journos. Or you, you come out and you accept it and you say, yeah, okay, right. No, you have three options. Either you accept it, you accept the article as, as written and there you go. You ignore it. You don't even respond to the comments. You don't, you don't say a fucking word. No tweets, no messages, no DMs, no nothing. You just let it die on the vine. Or you do what config dig and you put mostly. And as soon as that mostly was there, I remember when he fucking tweeted, we, we, I, I was just, I was right there reading and I was like, dude, mostly? Right there, that word, that single word fucks it all up and you know that there's going to be some, there's just going to be some bullshit here. There's going to be some bullshit and it's going to be on Config side because Jackson have got the good, you know, have got the banger track record. They don't fuck around. Those oh, guys. Oh, they were wrong. Exactly. They do good work. I'll even ask so, you this, right? I'll, I'll use the similar logic we're using here. I'll ask you and the fans, think this through. Think about Simple's actions when he gets pushed and claimed he's a liar. So when we essentially implied he was fucked up with how he dealt with Oboe receipts. When that hotel was like, you might be not telling the whole truth about this. What about not letting the people into clean? He was like, yeah, but look at this. Like, I did actually let them in on this day and I just separately started immediately. Got, right. So here's the question. Remember when Simple, in anger, after my comment about falling, said that when he retires, he'll tell me what a piece of shit I am. Why would he need to retire to tell me what a piece of shit I am? 
Why would he need to retire Semler to produce some sort of evidence that would show I'm a piece of shit? He wouldn't. What he was saying there was, I have no evidence, but by putting this some indeterminate pipe years from now when no one will care or remember, that's when actually I'd show that you're a horrible person. It's like, so you mean you have nothing then? Yeah, he has nothing. That was, that's called a shit bluff. Except here's the difference. The simple one's not even that bad because at the end of the day, what can I really do to him? Well, we'll find out. But what can I really do to him in response? The Jackson one, I'll bring it all the way back. I forgot to mention this detail. This is the dumbest part of all. So I referenced this earlier, but I'll just tell you straight up. One of the main people behind Jackson is a guy who used to work in the North organization, the team that Config used to play for. That's why this guy has the in with Config and why Config mentioned like that this guy was talking but didn't say the guy's name because this is a guy who knows Config. So what that guy was doing, both as a journalist and maybe as someone who knows Config and cares about him, was going to him like good journalists do and saying, just like Richard might, with people he cares about or, or companies that he thinks you can you can do something with and saying essentially, look, mate, I've got your bank to rights. I've got all the info, it's documented and I'm going to come out with this story. But I'm telling you first to give you the option to maybe make it better for you. Now, the way you make it better for you, quid pro quo, you make it better for me. So for example, here's some of the things Config could have done. He could have said, well, my old pal from North, how about I give you a my own version of events? I'll tell you key things that aren't in your story. Like, you know what? I actually have been in depression because of the way I was beaten up. And this guy fucking wrecked me and he kicked me in the face initially while I didn't do it. And I'll tell you all that. And in doing so, we can control how this story comes out. Or you know what? Maybe even you don't run the first story of the eyewitness one, you just run an exclusive interview with me about it. And we do it that way. By the way, anyone thinking, but they wouldn't agree that that's exactly how journalism works. You trade a small story for a bigger story. There's even journalists, I don't do it, but what they'll even do is get a really big story and go to someone and say, look, I've got a massive story. So if you want to get rid of this, I can bury the whole thing, but then I want, like, you know, your next signing. I want your next two signings. It just comes through me first. I get something huge, and I won't even run the story. I'm saying that you get to change it. I'll bury the story. If no one else has it, no one gets it. People do that as well. That's what top, top journalists do in the space. It happens all the time. So Config was too dumb to realize that. And he, as far as I can tell, he genuinely thought, this guy's coming to me with the story he hasn't published yet just to see, like, if he can get more dirt from me. Well, I'll show this scumbag. I'm not giving you anything. So the guy publishes the story. Probably on his own completely at that point as well. You know, he's probably like, he can't go to Astralis or anybody on the Astralis because they probably all hate his guts at this point for costing on the major and for this entire, for putting them in, in this entire situation. Oh, I, am, I so, think he acted entirely on his own, exactly. I think he's entirely on yes. his own. This is just config acting on his own. For So, so. It, By the way, just that alone would be a good reason to fire him from Astralis. Like, dude, you didn't even bring this to us when this guy's offering you a chance a way out. You fucked the PR up 10 times harder over and over. And now he's doing it again. I mean, he's out of Astralis now, so it doesn't really matter for Astralis. But in this scenario, it's like he doesn't get it, dude. He doesn't get that, like, they have your bank to rights, mate. It's coming out one way or another. And in fact, what's been the consequence of him denying it? They've done, like, three stories now. And by the way, just going. fucking miss me if you're the cretin in the industry who's like, why do they keep doing stories about conflict? Because more information comes. When more information comes, you they reveal the it. By the way, why would it ever make sense to be like that? Cool. Come on, guys. Stop revealing how this guy's trafficking kids. We already did the last two kids he trafficked. Well, how about the guy stop trafficking them? Like, this this is so mad, this response. That's why I hate fans, Semler. Because what fans do there is, what they really mean by that is, okay. I, I just like conflict, so please stop saying things that make me realise he's not a good guy. 
No, you know what? I don't think the one in the equation that needs to stop is the person telling you that he's not a good guy. It's the person who's not a good guy. Well, especially when, I mean, dude, the stories like this get hits. It's clear they wouldn't, you know, if it wasn't getting uh, huge traffic to their website, they wouldn't be continuing the story either. They'd probably just let it drop. But considering it's config and considering we're sitting here still talking about it for like the third week now, it's like it clearly drives traffic. It clearly gets attention. So the, the whole idea that they would not be posting stories as they as it developed. It's just, I, the, yeah, Config is clearly on his own on this one. I think it's just, it, it is him. He is a player. He's not necessarily, like, he's not wrapped up in PR. He's not wrapped up in how to handle this sort of thing. He's wrapped up in clicking heads and, and I guess breaking his wrist. But the pro, like, the, the real problem is, is that it obviously when you have these sorts of situations where it's like the mostly bullshit and all that, then it just forces you to start second guessing everything. So now the, the obvious other one was just like, well, did he break his wrist falling in the airport or did he get in another fight? And we just don't know that story. That story got buried by complexity or, or something else happened there. Like how did like, what happened there? Am I going to start guessing, second guessing everything that config has been involved with in the last two years now because of this, like it throws and everything out. It's going to have so much work to do to kind Who of to believes that trust. story. How do you break your, your wrist in a fucking airport? Can someone explain that to me? Well, according to him, allegedly he slipped and fell. <laughs> well, we've already seen him lie every other time. So brilliant. Like this is all, another point Richard made. This is how you know people don't. Everyone on the internet is just a dickhead on a computer. They've never been in a real fight assembler. It's not a movie. You know, you don't just instantly get like your wrist snapped when you're in a fight. You know, and you punch someone. Like oh, this, I'm so bored with it. like. Why have I a nerd, a lifelong nerd, lived more life than all these fucking retards? It's mental. Like, everyone's, everyone talks like someone who's only watched John Wick and goes, oh, but, you, you know, he must have tripped. And, oh, yeah, yeah that happens all now. the time, doesn't it? Come on, man. That's the reality now. That's why, you know, like, the anybody who's actually been in a fight, the first thing they say is run. Like, just don't get in the fight. Because it can it can go south really yeah, did you not see all those comments, mate? It was mental. The comments on Reddit, the general take was like, well, if you're a man, you'd have to stand your ground and fight. What are you talking about? You've watched movies again. You That's do know it. in a movie, you know the scene in movies where like they get they have to do the final last stand and ride back in a battle even though they're going to die. You only do that when there's no way out. Like the yeah. hero would leave with his family if he could. You wouldn't fucking go back in and die. That's just suicide. That's there's nothing manly about suiciding, by the way. What the fuck? No. That's the that's the that's the opposite of that. That's where it gets uh like the, it's there's a well maybe I mean it really is I mean you're talking about the culture I don't know like uh. The, how how like what is it that's feeding them now? I mean, if you're grow if you're raised on Marvel movies and John Wick, I mean, are you really surprised that this is this is the the level uh, that people are operating at when it comes to uh, thinking about these things? Probably not. Kids, they're intellectual children. That's uh that that is probably the full extent of it. All right, um, let me see here. A uh, couple of news, a couple of other things that uh, that we're just we've actually cruised these pretty quick, so it's good. Um, but. Um, let me see for uh, actually this, this was just one that popped up and I wanted to get your take on it because I was kind of interested in it. And I did listen to, uh, uh, the, <laughs> excuse me, you actually did have the interview with Forrest, which is on your YouTube channel. And I highly recommend it to everybody listening. If you haven't, I'd be shocked if you haven't listened to it already, but if you haven't definitely go and give it a listen to it because it was really interesting stuff, a one-on-one -on -one with Forrest. But, um, do you think that, uh, Forrest, if he were placed onto a tier one team now, do you think he could still he could still bring the heat in a meaningful way, or do you think it's wishful thinking? Do you think that it's just it's 
the, the, the age is too much. I mean, he gives the reasons himself, you know, he's like, he's getting older. He's got a family now. As soon as you have a family, it starts to have an impact on, in terms of like how much time you can fully commit, uh, commit to the game, the way that the, the young guys who are unattached, um, can. So like, do you think that Forrest, he has the raw talent to be able to come back and actually, if he had a crack on it, if somebody was willing to take a risk to, to, to perform on a tier one team, or do you think that that's just, uh, uh, it's a, it's an illusion. I mean, SDY won Blast playing on Na'Vi, and he's much worse player than Forrest. So if, it depends on how good the team is. The problem is, that's exactly where this whole discussion becomes not very interesting, because Fierce Clan isn't going to recruit Forrest, are they? Like, they're not going to. So that's off the table. Is G2 or Vitality going to recruit Forrest? Of course not. Why would they? Like, So the problem is, the, the real question is, if Forrest joined the kind of Tier 1 team that would sign Forrest... Would they be really good? No, probably not. Because at that point in time, he's actually probably going to be like, what, their fourth best player, their third best player. And he's probably going to be, what, like a 1.02 rating player or something. So no, that if you know how teams work and how frag distribution, that's just not enough. So now look, if for some reason, but there's just no reason, it would just be to help out a legend. It wouldn't be for competitive value. If you replaced him, with, if you put him onto FaZe Clan or you put him onto G2, could he win? Well, yeah, of course, because he's playing with like fucking Nico and Hunter and he's playing with in this case, maybe twists and fucking brokey. Like they could just overperform a bit and he could just do a job. He could just be a basic entry or something. The problem I have is this. I think that's the part where people get lost because they really do think, imagine if Forrest was unfair. What would the point be? It'd just be a worse version of Faze. What you should imagine is this. What if Forrest played on Ents? Now there's an interesting topic, right? A little org that doesn't have that much money, so they can't get top, top players. They're a top 10 team, but mainly by virtue of the fact that, like, they had the Spinks lineup, and, you know, people think they'll just maybe nick back in ninth or 10th. Now, if they had Forrest and he was, like, say, an entry or second entry, yeah, he could probably do a decent job fragging. He wouldn't be a star player. He'd just be a role player. But you could do that. You could, you could be, like, what someone like Dupree is on Vitality, you're sort of a semi-washed legend, but you still can apply a little bit of experience here and there. You've got, in, on that team, you've got fucking Spinks and Zewoo and all the guys to frag out yeah. in Vegas. So you don't need raw fragging. Now you can just add a little bit of something else in, maybe be a cool guy, one less ego in the team, and then you can win that way. But the problem is, I don't think most people, when they talk about that scenario, imagine, wow, imagine Forrest on Ents. I think that would be cool. I think they're imagining, like I say, a big, big team, and it's some like it's some like last dance dream of like, oh, and then Forrest wins them. Like, Rain, like, he wins the major and he's the MVP. That's not happening. I think that's a pipe dream, unfortunately. That's exactly, like, who would you, if you're talking about having to make the investment over a period of months as well, because you're not expecting to get an instant return once you're making roster changes. So you're talking about a team like FaZe, like Navi, like an elite level team making that kind of investment in force. I think you're right. I think it, it just completely falls apart. Like you would be, you, it would be in a rebuild phase. Like, do you think that Forrest actually believed in that Dignitas roster? Do you think that like that was, that was like, no, I mean. I don't. I don't think anybody involved in that could really believe that, that was going to be something that takes them to tier one. Here's the problem with that. One, as far as I know, the fix was. I'll just say it, the fix was in on that team. What happened was, as far as I know, like Fifth Larum was going to work with like Dignitas, and so he just he just told Dignitas, who had like new ownership at the time. Here's a unique angle. Instead of us just having like an okay team that no one cares about, what if we could have an okay team, but it's all legends because it's NIP, it's four of the five, and they're all going to come back and they agree to play for you. And if you remember, 
Fifth Lauren and all the nip players had done a great PR job for three or four years before doing interviews with people like me and others, and they would always say the same line. It was mainly like the management that cut that fucked us over. And because the management fired Fifth Lauren, that ruined our vibe and we didn't want that. And then because the management didn't pay the money out, that made us all stressed and pressured, and maybe we would have won the first major if they had. And then the management didn't and then at the end of it all, the implication was supposed to be, well, now we're going to be in dig. That's not nip. Now we're going to have another chance to reunite so we can do it all without the... And then what happened? Look, they only played online, true, but it was just trash, wasn't it? It was like, <laughs> that team was just garbage. It wasn't good. Forrest was okay. The holes that was like sort of good and then the rest were just whatever, like they're all semi-washed, washed, just getting progressively worse. So I think that move for real, that was, by the way... I'll even give credit to the Brazilians. That was the real last dance. A fucking scam where you pretend you have a chance to run back a legendary roster, but it's way past its past its sell-by date. And even worse, you get paid over the odds to do it. And then when you produce no results, you just go, what are you going to do? And just fucking rizzle dizzle off with the bag. So like, I'd even say Imperial's better than fucking Dig This Ass was. And I, don't, I think Imperial's a disgrace. So, yeah, sadly, I think that whole thing was a waste of time, mate. Like, I actually think that's the silliest thing Forrest ever did in his career was the Dig This Ass lineup. Because that was the moment after Nip. You remember how Nip ended at the end of 2019, where they were at the global finals and for Blast. Forrest was still playing half decent. He was like the best player or one of the best players on the team. Him and Rez probably were the best two players, right? At that point in time, he could have gone to like a mouse sports or something. Dude, they would pick him up in a heartbeat. Wouldn't that have been interesting, right? Imagine Forrest on like a top tier. I mean, obviously then I'm saying, I'm, I'm thinking of like the later ones, not the one with Carrigan, obviously. I'm thinking of the ones that were like the Dexter ones, where it was like Acor and Rosen. Of course, Forrest could be on a team like that. That would have been a chance to have this last leg of your career where maybe, you know, you're the third or fourth best player, but you could win something. You could have a chance to do it. Now he's waited too long, unfortunately. Like you'll notice he said all this stuff in interviews, but... There's not even rumoured stories. There's not, there's not even a story. Maybe this team will... No one seems to want him. Unfortunately, it's not me doing this. This is where I hate how fake pro players are. You know the same pro players who'll tell you for years, oh, respect for us. He could still frag now. Put him in your team then. Yeah, put exactly. in a good word. Nobody's doing that, dude. What they're doing is they're doing what all scumbag orgs and players do. They go, oh, he would be... You know when they let a player go themselves? Like they'll cut like Lecro and they'll go, but he'd be so great in any other team. Not yours, though. Nah, nah, nah. I want to win. So, But your you know what? He should go to your team and then let's hopefully play you in the quarters at the major. Yeah, exactly. put him on your team. Like, fuck off. Why are you, why are you GMing my team with worse players, motherfucker? <laughs> Especially because like, it really is painful to think about it because uh, he probably would have made as much money as he was making on Dignitas had he been somewhere else, you know. So the idea at the time was like, oh, he's finally making the bag, he's finally getting some money, you know, because like Nip, they weren't getting uh, they weren't getting um, the industry standard in terms of uh, salary at the time. They were way below, and so you know they joined Dignitas, and you're thinking, oh, they're finally going to make some money. But you're right in the sense that he could have probably gone anywhere else and not done that project, gone anywhere else, and still made that money. He probably actually could have been in a competitive scenario. The, the real question is whether or not he can find himself, like if he actually wanted to try to make that sort of comeback happen, it's not going to be in a tier one work, but could he do like a Shoxy and join a team like Apex? You know, bring that kind of old, that, that kind of experience to a, a younger roster and try to help guide a younger roster, you know, uh, uh, to, uh, to a higher level just through, through experience yeah. alone. I'll tell you something controversial. So uh, get ready, player.gg and cybersport.ru. Here's your headline, motherfuckers. Even though I like Forrest, I don't feel sorry for Forrest for what happened within Nip. And here's why. He stayed there for seven years, Semler. Yeah, he could have bailed. 
Even worse, like what people will say is they'll say something naive. There's two angles. He was loyal to his teammates, or in this case, get right, or when it was in the past, get right and exist, or when it was in the past, get right, exist and forest, right? He was loyal to his team. No, he wasn't. How was he loyal to Fafflaren? They were one of the best teams in the world. They could easily have forced the hand of the org to keep Fafflaren, or they could have said, right, we'll tell you what, since he's gone, as soon as our contracts are up, we're all leaving. He didn't do that. He stayed in. So as a result, wasn't loyal to Fifth Then all the others got cut one by one by one. Not loyal to them. You stay around, keep playing the team. By the way, that's all fine. This is how sports work. You always have to, at one point, think of yourself and be a bit ruthless. That's how everyone operates. And by the way, they all would have done the same thing to him. They wouldn't have boycotted and vetoed and gone elsewhere. They would have let him get caught if he'd have been the guy who'd gone to Freiburg's level and exists level. So then keep going through time. Throughout time, you've heard of what? Three, four scandals of people not getting paid and people having money stolen from them and people getting stuck about. He went through all that and just sort of went, this is fine, continue. Sat back, getting his money, playing for the org, making himself nip Forest. That's how he will be remembered in his career. More than when he was in Fnatic and SK teams, he won championships. He will be remembered as nip. He built that org with his brand. So then at the end, you might say, maybe he was just misguided and he was too loyal to nip because of the brand and what it meant. Right? Let's rephrase that. Imagine I worked for a business that used to be really cool, but now it's owned by mobsters. If I keep working for them and I'm loyal, I'm just loyal to mobsters, mate. So you notice, here's why I always say the uncomfortable truth. That's not me saying Forrest's a bad guy. I just don't think that at the end of all that, I have to again get out Config's little fucking tiny violin and go, oh, it's so fucking sad, isn't it? No, because this guy turned down a million chances to go elsewhere. Like I said, 2014, they could have, by the way, had their pick of the world. If you don't know, at the end of 2014 is when all the fucking League of Legends orgs came in, Team Liquid, CLG, TSL. You could have gone to them in an instant. They'd probably even pay your buyout. In fact, a scumbag org like Nick might even have sold you and made like a little tasty little profit. And by the way, they just spun it that you were washed or something, but they did, they'd have made mad money. Then think of a few years later when the team started to go downhill, the magic era. At that point, you're already down eventually to like three players left. You could just go as a two or a threesome. By the way, I don't think they really cared about exist that much. So let's just say, get right in Forest in 2017 or something when they go, right? You know what? We are going to go to G2 when they're FaZe Clan. Pick what mate, mouse spots. Pick what team you want. Team Liquid, Cloud9. There's another one. You think they couldn't have gone to any any moment in time where people love to use marketing figures and legendary players. They had so many chances that at the end, after all this, we're talking now like, yeah, they blew, blew Forest Prime. Forest Blue, Forest Prime, mate. I, I actually give Forrest the actual respect that he is a responsible adult who can decide for himself what he wants in life. You know, he's like a 30-plus-year-old man. Is he like 32 or something? Like 34. he's not. He's not a fucking 18-year-old kid, guys. He's not some naive, bamboozled guy. I think what Forrest is, is this. He is who he appears. He's a guy who just loves to play games. He doesn't want to know about the business and the politics. He just wants to, every day, go, right, these are my teammates. Get my head down. Frag a few people. Good job, guys. Did we win? Great. If we didn't, ah, fuck, whatever. Get him next time. He goes, plays some Dota, plays some fucking Legends of Magic and Might. I don't know any of the games. Plays WoW. <laughs> plays WoW or something. They go, yeah. World of Warcraft, whatever. Like, Ultimate One, whatever, you know. And then, yeah, then, then obviously he just gets someone's life. So the problem with that is like, yeah, I, I think that whole story is like, and also I'll just spin this one last detail in there. 
I wanted him to leave the whole time and go and try something else. Y'all are the one who loved that he was in Nip. You're the one who kept going, ah, oh, it's a legendary team, the original squad. You're the ones, oh, I can't wait to see first and get so why are y'all here now and retroactively retconning it? Like, no, oh, it was terrible. He kept trapped in that it's all. A shame. They were just making him sign those contracts and refusing to take other offers. Like, no, I just I think it just he just felt comfy where he was in his own fucked up way. Like he, he just got used to probably stop it was some Stockholm syndrome that she applies in that case. You know, you also just think these are the people I know, it's where I'm gonna stay. Like I get it. It's a very human decision. Comfortable comfortable where you're at at that point. Because if you're also keep in mind, well, oh, I actually no, I don't even know. Like if you're not thinking about it from the business perspective, right? Like in Sweden, there is it is a very real thing in Sweden as well, where you're almost programmed not to want to make too much money. If if that makes sense, like you're the way the tax system works here. If you're if you're taking a salary, like they they've figured out that as soon as you hit like 50 grand a year, that's it. People just stop working harder and stop trying to earn more money because the tax is the way that it works. Unless you're going to make way more than that. The way that the taxes work here, if you're just making a salary, you get, you get fucked. So like, I wonder if that had anything to do with it as well. Where Forrest is like, well, he just got up to that point. He's making decent money. He's you know, everything's taken care of and it's all good. He's playing CS and he just gets comfortable in that, in that kind of flow state and then just stays there. Because um, it's it's like it's that, or you have to make your own company and make a lot of money, and then make a make a make a make a all sorts of other different things in order to actually like make it worthwhile. Here's the like, angle I'll give you. Finally, one thing I hate in CS:GO is how unfair people are with legends. Like I'm just going to say this right now: Forest in CS:GO, not in all of CS, just in CS:GO. Forest is equally as legendary as Kenny S. Kenny S is a fucking all-time great. He's one of the best yeah. players to ever play. He was even better than Forrest in CSGO, in my opinion, over his career. Guardian is one of the best players to ever play CSGO. These are all bona fide. These are like first ballot Hall of Famers, mate. They just go straight in the Hall of Fame if you open one tomorrow, right? No one gives a fuck about them playing tier one CS anymore, similar. Everyone even tells me there's trash, get them out the team. Why do they get to play? But magically, Forrest just gets to play. Fallen gets to play. Why? So they're not, by the way, I'm purposely picking players that are of equal greatness and even probably similar level. Like, it's not like Guardian would be total trash in a team. He'd be all right. It wouldn't be great. But guess what? Neither would Forrest be great. He'd just be all right, wouldn't he? And that's where you get into that kind of tier two team where you can see what, uh, what they bring to the table in terms of experience or something along those lines, right? And by the way, look at when people have tried that recently, these last few years, these tier two teams that have some very big names and they're all failed, right? Is there any one of them that succeeded? Apex, shit, Titans, Gorilla, shit. Like they're all failing as far as I can tell, right? The, even like the Apex fucking one Guardian was in. time yet. Like they haven't Which really one? been able to make a run. Apex, like the shots. They already canceled the fucking team, mate. Apex is out. I think they benched the whole squad and put them all in the transfer market. So if you go oh, really? Up. Did they? I thought that was Titans. Uh, no, I Titans think, think, Titans is bench. Titans, the whole squad is up on the market. I, no, I haven't heard any with news it. about I'll, Apex. I'll find it for you. Let me see. I haven't heard any news about Apex, but you may be right. But Apex I, I, withdrew from ESEA Advanced. ESEA Advanced and said, we need time to reflect and evaluate. And then Asilian oh. and Chorzy have left the team. Well, okay then. <laughs> so yeah, no, that, that tier two project, I mean, I guess it just doesn't, it isn't a thing. Like, it's even with worked for whatever reasons. I mean, I will say one reason I've actually learned myself. One thing we all underestimated in Counter-Strike, I know there's some Flashpoint with Cloud9. I know there's some, some of the super teams that have been tried. It's really hard to just make a team from scratch with no core. 
Because what you can at least rely on when you have two or three players that have played together is you've got like a basic identity. You've got some people who already have existing synergies. You might have a communication structure. Your IGL might have a couple of players he knows how to work with. When you bring a player together, like we would like making a HLTV fantasy team, just like one player from uh, Na'Vi, and then one player from Faze, and then one player from Ents, and one player from Team Liquid, one player from Cla Like on paper, that'd be an amazing team. In the survey, it often turns out it's a shit team because there's not you're not building off anything. You're just throwing it all together. My analogy would be the classic one. You've taken chocolate. Chocolate flavor ice cream, strawberry flavor ice cream, salted caramel flavor ice cream, fucking banana flavored ice cream, and then you've taken like I don't know what's the fifth one, like fucking licorice ice cream. On their own, they might all be delicious together. That would be the most disgusting fucking mess of all time. Yeah, just the description. Yeah, it'd be horrible, wouldn't it? Because but in your brain as a little kid, you think well, all of them together would surely be ultimate and the best. It's like it doesn't really work that way. Like the joke is in this same analogy, what you actually probably want if you make a fucking ice cream sundae is like some chocolate, some strawberry, and like some base vanilla that's like kind of a bit boring to just keep it all together and just some simple cream you don't want anything too extravagant you want like a simple theme with a bit of variation a couple of things are a, a bit cool and the rest is actually just some quite boring base otherwise it's too much in it so I just don't well, think those um, teams work mate I think I think you can add players to teams like I actually think FaZe is the best example ever Go back in time, guys, and watch Revenge of By the Num No, but watch, it wasn't called that, it was called Return of By the Numbers at the time. Go watch Return of By the Numbers from 2021, and you will see I have a consistent position the whole year, which is Rops will go to FaZe Clan from Mouse Sports. When he does, they only need that signing, and immediately they've got a chance to be really good because it'll put everyone else in different positions. And what you saw was everyone else at the end of the year told me I'm wrong. Because in Mouse, he was playing a bit baity, Rops was. He was looking like he wasn't trying to play like a team player, and his level had dropped off, and his numbers went down a little bit. Face Clan was irrelevant at the end of last year. They were a team that couldn't even make major playoffs. Like they could have like an upset over a smaller team, or they could like occasionally beat a good team because they didn't have the firepower. They had Olaf Andrean, and the whole thing was a mess, right? It only took one player change because all you did is bring in a much better player who filled a key role, shifted a couple of other people around, and you had all the base there. Carrigan had just spent most of the year working with three of those players. So as a yeah. result, all he's doing is bringing one new guy in, and then he can figure that guy out, right? Put him sort of here, do this. Even new because he's uh, he's also Kerrigan's protege in a way. So the perfect. Oh, it, it was it was yeah it was, it was to me it was the ultimate show in. But everyone else was telling me like yeah it's the wrong move or like maybe he shouldn't go to Fears. He should go to G two or Vita. It's like child please. It, look how it worked out. It's a fucking, yeah, no, that was one of the most slam dunk moves of all time for me. No, it was perfect. I think. I mean, it really was. It wasn't. It really just due to the fact that FaZe don't want to spend money on buyouts or whatever, and so they literally just waited Rob's contract out, and then like, okay, as soon as he was what a, a free fun one for you. Here's one no one's thought of. There All was right. a recent interview where Tabson, at least in the headline, said something like that they would actually consider it might be necessary to go international. Put Forrest on Big Clan. Oh. That would be pretty cool, right? They're actually... Not... Listen, the thing with Big is they're never a terrible team. They've always got, like, a puncher chance. Tabson's way too good to be on the team. Sirison's a pretty good opera. They sort of always have a canny little tactical style that lets them match up. Imagine you chuck Forrest in there if they're going to speak English. That would be a fucking interesting project, right? That would be wild. Tabson and Forrest on the same team? That would Obviously, be Swedes are also known for collaborating with Germans. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> taking a little bit of that money, taking a little bit of that Skrill home. That's just the Swedish way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Reference game on point. All right.
They, they're, you know, talking about collaborating together. There's some. The thing is, if Forrest watches this episode, it probably just hurt his feelings. So whatever. Like, listen, man, ah. I, I actually do like you, but I have to just call it how it is. I don't give a fuck, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's my and style. also, that would be. I mean, it would be interesting. At least then you could actually start trying to take a risk. But then, I mean, then the question is whether or not Big want to take that risk, and if they're going to go international. Um, there was one thing, like last bit before we get to the Grog Coin questions. But uh, did you see the rosters for the uh, show match? They they've made made public. They were leaked, and now they're public and all that. But, uh, you know, talk about getting the Swedish team together again, the boys back together again. And also just like just just mashing them all together. Like It's such a trip to see Olaf Meister, Freiburg, Get Right, Forrest, and JW all on a team together. Feels like once upon a time, that could have been the combination if you wanted to make a killer Swedish ro- roster. You know, just like mix it up and get those guys in. You're going to be missing an IGL, but I agree. Like, like some of those, pl- I, I, that is one thing I've always thought was mad. No one bothers pointing this out. Everyone loves to point out the French one, which is why did the French scene only put Shox and Kenny S together at the end? Exactly. But why did Nipper Fanatic never cross pollinate ever? Even when both teams fell off, that never occurred to anyone. Like, wait a minute. Like, it's like some fucking Reese's Peanut Butter Cops things. Like, wait a minute. You've got like a JW and a Flusher. But I've got like a get right in the forest. Like, oh, delicious. Like, why did no one try that? Why didn't we try every combo of like Draken and Rez? And then you can have like fucking Brolan uh-huh. and Gold. Like, why did no one ever make that team? Because that's another team that could have formed before the end of all their like still being decent players, couldn't it? It could have had one last sort of run with this weird hybrid combo. And it wouldn't, like, it, put it this way that's the sort of move where even if it doesn't work, it's box office. You'd tune in to see, wouldn't you? I mean, it's obviously way past the due date, but like, you know, you're almost interested in tuning into the show match just to see them horse around. But uh, that would have been the play. That would have been the play. You always wondered back then what could, what could have happened. But uh, there is that, there, there is that, uh, uh, it's not the cynicism. I don't know. Covering your bases, just making absolutely perfectly sure that you're going to have Fallen and the boys in the arena. You know, when the major happens, you know, you get the team back together again. So it's the original LG together for FNX, Taco Cold, and Fallen uh, for the Brazilian team like, in this show match. Like, this is what I can't handle. So you mean the only actual last dance was a motherfucking show match That's at it. the major? <laughs> Like, <laughs> That's it. It's this is how this has. is how dumb Fallen is. He's just actually invalidated the premise of his own last dance by doing the show match. That's mental. The, show, the last dance was never a thing. That's what, that's the worst thing that they claim that as well. All I'd say is, is I'd love to be like a fucking fly on the wall in that office when they were pitching it to Imperial. Do you think they just went, look, this isn't a last dance. This is just like me, bolts. Shut the fuck up. Of course you saw that angle, didn't you? Of course you did. It's just obvious, isn't it? Yeah, by the way, it is the cynical angle you would sell, isn't it? Like, oh, look, we used to, some of us used to play together and the fans really want to see it again. So if they were to do it for your own, what a marketing opportunity. And maybe we'd be good again. Because that's the other thing. If you don't know, by the way, when I, when I talk shit on Nip, thinking they could still like recreate the old lineup, this is really sad, but you're going to have to understand this, fans. Most top pros think if they made a, a, one of their best lineups ever again tomorrow, they'd be amazing. Like, I'll give you an example. I would bet you money if you sat them down privately, people like the Astralis players would tell you, oh, if we could bring like the five back together again, we could get to the top of the game again. And it's like, that, guys, that was 2019. It's 2022 now. We're almost in 2023. Like, history just says you wouldn't be able to do that. Like, you're not the same players even. Like, Dupree's yeah. far from that player. Glaive's far, you know what I mean? Zipnix is terrible. Like, device hasn't played for you. But they all, in their heart of hearts, believe it. Because, unfortunately, one thing I've always thought is very cruel about esports and particularly Counter-Strike, unlike real sports. In real sports, because it's your body that breaks down, you start to get the signs of, like, oh, I'm obviously not the player anymore. Like, I'm getting the injuries now. Like, I can't run as fast. Like, I'm not as fucking youthful. 
In the game, because it's just mental, largely, you always believe it's something else. That's why they had all those weird theories in Nip, like, oh, it was the, it was the org, they were putting pressure on us. That's uh, because they cut for flying, that really ruined the vibe. No, it was also because, like, you were the best for, like, two years, and then it was uh, two more years after that, and then suddenly two more years after that, you can only, like, win the other, and then eventually you're not going to win anything because you're just players, you're just human. There's nobody, is, like, it's like they're saying that, they're saying they have in sports is, like, Father Time's undefeated. Yes. Like, that's why, to me, by the way, there's another reason I'll work this back in. That's why Simple is the GOAT, and I don't think anyone will ever actually challenge him for the title. Because I don't think anyone else can even do the number of years in a row that he's been the best player. It's it's impossible. Like, he's already put, he's broken every record as far as I'm concerned in terms of like how many years you could be like a top two player in the world. It's mental. Like, we're talking like what? It was, it was from 2018 till now. And that's if you only count it in 2018. So... It's getting crazy now, like four years in a row. And it looks like it shows no sign of slowing down. I mean, now we know that thing about that he hadn't seen his mob all year. Dude, he could just do it again next year. And if he does, like everyone, that's why everyone, every, you can never help the Zewu fans. Because every time he gets to the peak level, they go, he could do it. It's like your own guy doesn't do it the whole year. Because you know what? That's not because Zewu's bad. It's the other way around. Zewu was one of the best. Zewu's going to retire as a top five player of all time, probably. The problem is he ain't simple. There's only one. So to me, yeah, again, pro players, they always think it's just possible to get back to that moment. It's actually a famous thing I think I've told you about before, where it happens culturally as well. What happens is every time a culture reaches a crisis point, it basically reaches back. Like, what was the last time everything seemed awesome? What was the last time, like, we remember culturally it was sick and they try to recreate that? It just can't be done because it's a different time, in it. Well, rose-scented glasses, right? You always look back on it like, oh, man, those are the days. If only we could just catch that. It's not like a midlife call. crisis. That would be my analogy. You know, you go out, you go, right, oh, I've always wanted that sports car. That'll revive, like, my youth. Then I'll get, like, the fucking, you know what? I'll leave my wife and I'll go get that, like, a fucking cocktail waitress. Like, this is, like, the life I always dreamed of. And then what you realize, like, a few months in or a year in is, like, oh, fuck, what did I do? Like, I love the bloody hell. Like, I don't need this car. It's too expensive and the insurance. And in reality, sets in, doesn't it? And you go, oh, fuck, what? I was just, I was just going for a fantasy. I didn't, I didn't realize, like, I had to face reality. Well, I mean, we'll see how the show match goes out, but you're right. That is uh, that is definitely one of the things that the pros have. I mean, actually, even analysts are are kind of uh, guilty of it sometimes as well. I mean, isn't Tommy? Uh, isn't that something that Tommy's talked about in the past as well? Where like he he can't, he doesn't see the years. He doesn't see the what? He doesn't see the years in the sense that like I thought that I thought that Tommy had made that kind of point in the past, where it's like you could put this combination of players together again and have the same results. Oh, I mean, a lot of people think. Oh no, he. Oh, you're right. Actually, well, that's because he used to be a top pro. He used to be a 1.6 player. They all think that, dude. They all do. They all they all think like the magic would be there again. What they don't realize is form is temporal and it goes up and it goes down and you wouldn't all be in the same place and you weren't in the same place in your careers. By the way, I, I thought you were going to say exactly way right to your point because my analogy would be this. Look, present company included, sometimes even duos do it similar. They think if we get back together, you know, get the old magic going, it'll be just like 2013 or whatever year, you know, the duo was, was at the time. <laughs> 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 all right just saying i've seen a few i've seen a few come back together you know I, I know i know it's time for questions it's time for questions these oh, are I need a time quick, for break point questions what's up i need a break yeah let's take a break all right well we're gonna take a quick break guys and we'll be back and we'll have some questions 
If you've yet to take advantage of one of eSports Bet's first-time deposit bonus, how about their classic 20% on up to 200 USDT? If that doesn't strike your fancy, they're still running their bet forgiveness where you can get up to 100 USDT back. You just make your first bet with crypto. If you lose, go to the mod mail, which you can message on the eSports Bet Discord, discord.gg slash eSports Bet. Message the mod mail, say Thorin or Last Free Nation sent you, and they will refund up to 100 USDT. I would suggest what you do is you place it on an underdog, pick someone with two or three odds, maybe in the blast showdown if you want to wait a week or so. You can do the major itself in the opening round. Pick someone that's an underdog. If they lose, obviously you get up to 100 USDT back. If they win, you get the multiplier and you're off on your way better with crypto. All right, welcome back, everybody. That was a quick break, but we're about to get into Grog Coin questions. It's a way to support the show. If you're interested in that, check out the Discord and uh, the instructions for uh, Grog Coins and how you hold them and how you get them and how you support the show through them. It's all there on the Discord. But if you hold the coins, then you can uh, ask questions each week. So if you want to get your questions answered, uh, go ahead and get on that and, you know, we'll see you next time. But uh, now, hopping right into it, our boy, Jerky's Minion. If you were put on a planet, <laughs> okay, if you were put on a planet and it was inhabited by only Jake Lucky, so <laughs> what would you do? <laughs> I mean, even the first part of that is actually too mind-blowing for me. I'm trying to imagine being on a planet. I yeah, yeah, like it. what planet? What's kind of what's exactly. what's going on on the planet? Like, what's uh, what are the conditions on this planet? How did that happen? I mean, the also, obvious answer is like in the land of the blind, I, the one-eyed man, would be king. <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> that would be pretty much it. It's just uh, at least in that sort of scenario, it's not like. Um, Oh, it just made me think of the Twilight Zone, right? Where it's like the guy, you know, he's the last man alive. He has all the time in the world now to read his books. And then he, his glasses break. It's like, no, no. Or is that The Simpsons? No, that, uh, was, the, that, the was, the, that was the Twilight. They were just ripping it off on The Simpsons. There you go. Exactly. The reference. But, uh, you know, at least you wouldn't have to worry about that. You don't need to rely on your glasses in that sort of scenario. But like the Jake Luckies. Um, yeah, just make sure he doesn't have Twitter and watch him lose his mind, I guess. Uh, I mean, the joke is a, a planet of Jake Luckies would immediately die out because who would he have to parasitically feed off and That's manipulate exactly it. just himself? He, he wouldn't be able to create anything. Exactly. And uh, you wouldn't have any social media because like they'd all be just trying to consume the same thing and it wouldn't they wouldn't have anything to consume. The joke is it'd just so they be would you. Shrivel up and die. You'd be the only other person. So everything you did, he would just inaccurately and in a shitty way report <laughs> on and then all the other ones would just retweet it. So he'd get his engagement, but for what for what end? But he would but you know, he you there would only be the one jersey, your jersey to collect as well. So uh, that's a shame. Well that's yeah. how you no, that's the ultimate punishment. You just wouldn't let him have your jersey. <laughs> <laughs> it's his hell not yours exactly <laughs> that's it <laughs> the punishment must be more severe alright BZ what team had the most dominant peak tournament based on your criteria and why 2017 phase 2021 Navi 2013 NIP wait wasn't this isn't this just one of the most recent ones as in phase didn't phase just win Stockholm without dropping a hold on oh that was uh, Navi did was that Navi that did it yes. that was a 2021 Navi reference 
I mean, put it this way, when he references Faze, it's because if you remember, they won that like ESL New York without losing a map and they smashed it. I think that that might even be the winner. That was one where it was just like impossible to beat them. No one could have no one could have beat them. They could have lost one map basically, that's it. They could have lost the overpass game in Liquid and that was it. That was the deciding map of the tournament as well. So it's like no one could beat them in that tournament. It was where they were winning every pistol, every fucking four spy. Nico was like the craziest, like 1.7 rating. Like Rain was like 1.4. Guardian was going off. Like they won every CT set. Oh, the whole thing was impossible, mate. You couldn't play them at that tournament. Yeah. That would be a good candidate for it. Because even be. though people are saying Nip, Nip wasn't like Nip wouldn't mm. lose a map. But they would have games that were close, you know. In 2013, Nip, the, the very game's uh, semifinal was, like, mega close. They they fought tooth and nail to get it. That was the actual final, to be fair. They should have been on opposite sides of the bracket, and they should have met oh. in the grand finals, and that should have been the grand final run uh, between very games and Nip in 2013. So 2013, Nip would have, uh, wouldn't have been that dominant. No, I was just trying to think, like, for whatever reason, like an Astralis. One of the um, Astralis ones is the IEM Beijing. They they won that without dropping a map. And they like 16-Z yeah. road phase clan or 16-2 them as well. Like they had some mad semifinals. That was the one where, I think that's the one where Glaive got like the MVP for just fragging everyone's head off as the IGL. So that would be a pretty good one. You just could never have beat them at that tournament either. Just ask fucking 100 Thieves. They're the ones that played them in the final. <laughs> there you go. All right. Uh, architect of Korean esports-based Joe. To Thorin, do you think the plot of Inception was actually an Inception for Dom to convince him that it's okay to return home and let go of his guilt? Uh, no, but the thing is, I actually did a video on this topic on my side channel, believe it or not, about what I think the plot of Inception was. And okay. basically, either... No, here's the thing. I do think that my my version is sort of like... I can't tell if they cut scenes from the movie or they had to change the plot, but essentially, like, the, I'll give you the gist of it and you can go watch the video if you want the rest. Basically, the one part about the movie I found really suspicious was, like, one, you know when he goes and he meets the Michael Caine character who's, who's supposed to be his father-in-law? That character in, like, the UK or whatever, that father tell, that character tells him, who's, like, a professor, if you remember, he tells him, like, Dom, you've got to come back to us, come back to reality or something, and some really weird, like, why would you phrase it that way if you just meant, like, you know, come home to your you wouldn't say come back to reality, right? So that almost implies he is in a dream at that base level, and that is not, in fact, base reality. That's like a layer of the dream. And then secondly, the reason he went to the UK to meet Michael Caine in this movie was to get the character I can't say the name of now unless I have to play a fucking mind game. So a character that was the architect and now they have changed their name similar and I'm not going to say anything about them. So this person in the character, their character's name was Ariadne in the movie. Well, Ariadne in the plot of Theseus and the Minotaur is the princess that gives Theseus the ball of twine so that he can escape from the maze. So why would this character that he goes and gets to be his architect also have the name of someone who helps you escape a maze? So this was my I take the gist is I think the premise of the movie Inception was that he isn't actually in reality in the base level you see in the start of the movie he's still in the dream and that that was members of his own family coming into the dream to try and persuade him like you're in a dream come out and that the character Ariadne this is my invention is his daughter and that she's grown up, and this is years later, and obviously she has the skill like he does of manipulating the dream, so she's gone in there, and she's trying to get him to come out by being one of the kids. So that I, it's my, it's my theory, but that's my theory of why it is. Otherwise, I thought some of these names, like that, you could say it's a red herring, but I thought that was just a way better ending to the movie if you did it. That is actually a way better ending to the movie. Because, you know, that's that another movie that the end is just sort of like, that's ah, all right, I guess. But it's the rest yeah. of the movie's brilliant, isn't it? Like, yeah, Christopher Nolan movies in general, aside from the prestige, 
don't often nail the ending. Memento and Prestige are really good. The others, often the ending's a bit whack, you know. The rest of the movie's brilliant. The end is just like, oh, okay, I guess, you know. Yeah, it does kind of just leave you... Uh... Leave you wondering, leave you wanting, not thinking about it is a, like it ever like that. That is actually a fucking mega take to consider that it could be his daughter coming back to save him. And I just thought that would be the ultimate cool angle, right? Yeah, because it was all about his family, remember, and dealing with all this baggage that they had and stuff. And as you say, like the whole premise of Inception this is what people forget. Remember, the movie starts with him being brought. He can't remember it himself because he's in limbo. He's brought to that like. Japanese actor, the let them fight guy. And that guy himself is some really old character because they're in limbo and he's like, oh, you are here to kill me or something. Like the idea is when you're too deep in the dream, you get completely lost and you just forget all your bearings. So the premise is if he was a character like that and we've seen his POV, it would be like you would just think this was reality and you wouldn't know what's going on. Even the fact that in the movie, in the base reality, are you ready? He's constantly being chased by the police and cops and stuff, isn't he? Well, remember the logic when they go into the first level of the dream is like when you, the dreamers like become aware, they send like the defense systems after you. Like, it's the same shit, just on like a different scale. Yeah, it just keeps getting more and more up there. Basically, this is how based I am. I'm not joking. I thought this whole thing while watching Inception for the first time at the cinema. And as a result, when it ended and it didn't end how I thought, I thought brilliant movie, but I'm the only one in here that actually wrote a better movie while watching it. <laughs> Someone had to be me, mate. May as well be me. There you go. <laughs> now I'm waiting for your transition as a, as a, as a script writer. I'm, I'm, glad, it, I'm glad it's only as a script writer like what I said earlier. <laughs> you see now why I had to say that very carefully? Do you see why I was very careful about that, Samler? Because there's the other know, thing. Here's the thing. I'm not going to martyr myself and get wrecked for no reason, but I'm never going to bow and bend the knee and play these stupid games, mate. I've told you, anyone ever asks me who the best ever woman in esports is, as far as I know, it was probably Hafu. And that's all I'll ever say. Yeah, Hafu was pretty legit. And you always wondered why Hafu got the, the the short end of the stick. It's just like, listen, you've you've had super successful women in competitive yeah, sports. Like, course. why aren't you turning to them? Why aren't you epitomizing them? Why aren't you you really pushing that? No, no, it's not about that. It's not nope, about that. Exactly. All right, it's Young Badger, Semler, and Thorin. You are you are each handed six blank checks and given the task of building the best possible Danish and Brazilian CS teams using current players. Danish for Semler and Brazilian for Thorin. Oh, that's fair. It, okay. <laughs> what's up I'm, I, we're not going to both build like two teams to take for like we can we can do it no, no. Split the Danish, label. Danish for Stemler, brazilian for thor and which five players and coach are you each signing does he mean right now yeah as in current, as in, like, players, current not, players not like CS super teams team using of current players right okay so so figure yours out you get danish yours might be a bit easier Who yeah mine, mine is a bit straightforward actually i think that's probably like danish is make? probably easy to call we can just go for like the dream team um well right now like uh Blame F Stalin. We'll start there. Uh, you need a you need an op. I'm not bringing Cadian into op. It has to be device. Take the risk on device. Um, Kerrigan as the IGL, and then I need a fifth, and I need a coach. Yeah, but my fifth, I don't like my fifth for that sort of situation. I still want to pull somebody off of like heroic, so Shush or something? Yeah, it would be Shush, exactly. Shush is perfect for that. So yeah, bring Shush in and then Danish coaches right now. I mean, it's kind of up in the wind. 
uh, you don't you don't have a Danish coach on you know exist on heroic, not Danish, and um, and then you know musical chairs on Astralis, so it'd probably still have to go with Zonic and just pull Zonic in, bring him as an, bring him in as the coach, and uh, hope that he can uh, work with Kerrigan. All right, what do you got? I just have to quickly look for one player. I've got to just check something, and then I've got my lineup. So I'll go through it as I look for him. Basically, some of the names are easy. So I would actually start pick Fur. So he's going to be probably my entry player here. I still think he's better than Art, so I don't give a fuck. I know he's not motivated, but on this team he will be because we're going to make him be. And then I'll take, um, what's his name? Quesarato, I think the actual best Brazilian player right now, amazing player. I'll take Yuri as well, if I can somehow fit him in the squad. A little bit more debatable, but I'll, I'll try and make those three work because first going to be more of just an entry player, like I say. So I've got a nice base, some stars. I've got a, nice, a sick entry player. I'll take Tacos, the IGL. Okay. Not many IGLs right now. Tough to pick from them. I actually think he's doing a fairly good job. I have seen him in the job. squad. Yeah. yeah. And I've seen him with a bunch of different players. So I'll give him the crack. Also, by the way, not a guy who lets his ego get in the way of the team. Despite how he might appear on Twitter, he's one of those people who just comes off really bad on Twitter. In real life, he's way cooler than that. As a teammate, he seems very legit. Now, the problem here is my fifth player. That's the part I'm trying to think of at the moment. So I'm just trying to think who I would take for that. Let me think. Because obviously, in theory, you're going to say an opera, right? But I don't really think I want Fallen on this team. I'm trying to think if there's a way not to have Fallen on the team. Like a guy like Safe or something like that? The problem with the Safe one is they haven't done a very good job with him, obviously, on Fury yeah. thus far. But I might take him anyway, because maybe I'll just say on this team, tackle, work out how to use I'll take Safe as the fifth player, and the coach is easy. It's my boy Zeus. I actually think that's a go. banger lineup right there. That is actually I, I, a banger lineup. I'd love to see that lineup tomorrow. Especially because there's a history between, uh, you know, Zeus, Fur, like they can, they've worked Taco, they've worked together. That'd be sick, man. That'd be sick. Okay, but we're not we're not doing Prime eighty Smiler. It's not Prime. It's current. It's right now. All right. Um, let me see. What Oskvai? What is your favorite map that is no longer in the map pool? Easy for me. Old Cash. I could play Old Cash all day. And I enjoyed watching it. I enjoyed playing it. I I still know all the smoke lineups. Like I just put Old Cash back right now. I do think old cash is good. I think it's underrated. I would probably just say train though. Train. I just, yeah. I thought I thought like I actually I mean, believe it or not, I actually thought the rework of train was just a very good map. Like I always enjoyed watching that. I thought, by the way, here's a here's a very underrated aspect. You know, everyone loves to cite that like a million great games take place on Inferno. Dude, there's a lot of great games on that train we work. A lot of fucking bangers. Yeah. No, it's a good point. It's a good point. Train train would be good too. But give me cash. Okay. Uh let me see. Bin. Upcoming UFC 280 main event, Charles Oliveira versus Islam Makachev. Clash of Styles, Sambo versus Jiu-Jitsu. Will you be watching? Uh, on this one, I think I will actually be watching just because it's going to be at a reasonable time for you. So uh, I think I will actually go ahead and, uh, and try and meet up with some friends and watch this one. That'd be pretty sick. Um, I'm not at, like, to be fair though, these are two guys, like, I haven't been following the UFC as much lately because I'm much more into Jiu-Jitsu right now. So I've really just been following Jiu-Jitsu. Uh, so like UFC is kind of taking the backseat for me. So um, like Islam Makachev, Charles Oliveira, like. Oh, you froze it. Or is it me? No, oh, no I, I like my brain froze. Cause Fair I'm just enough. trying to recall if I'm just, you just sat perfectly still as well. Like, <laughs> yeah. I was just kind of like stuck. Like, uh, not sure. Not sure. Like who do you, who do you have on this one? Because I have, I couldn't say between the two of them. Like I haven't watched any of your, any of their fights recently. The problem is this. I actually thought, because I watched Charles Oliveira's whole career, and so when he used to, especially when he fought like the lower weight class, I actually thought he was too up and down. And I actually, I, I fought a, a, a couple of times, not in the last fight, but before that, I kept thinking he was going to lose. And he's basically like, show me wrong every time. So I actually think, like, here's the problem. 
on paper, logically, it should actually be the Islam guy, basically. Like, that style is just a very effective style Where for MMA. Guy? Like, doesn't he have Habib support? I mean, that's not going to make him win the fight, but yeah. Like, basically, I just think his style is very, very effective in MMA. So in, like, most scenarios where you don't, like, get knocked out or submit, you win, basically, off that. But the problem is, the Charles Oliveira guy, I'll give it to him. He does have, like, some mad clutch factor to him where he can just get, like, crazy knockout of nowhere. He has really dangerous jiu-jitsu. So the problem is, essentially, if I was betting, I would probably bet on the Islam guy. But my heart says probably the Charles Oliveira pulls it out. I feel like he is actually a champion. Wait, all right. What yeah, about you? Would you like to see Islam lose Semla? Yes. <laughs> no what hesitation. about the fight? <laughs> yeah, exactly. No hesitation. <laughs> yes to both. <laughs> all right. Hinoda, will the Rat King ever return to Tier 1? Um, odds are no. Odds are no. Because, I mean, he's had so many opportunities now. He's had so many opportunities, and then also as an org, he's clearly shown that he's willing. Like he's more interested in getting attention and getting uh, like getting attention. So it's like I don't know if as an org you can rely on him to 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 be um, professional. So like he was just complaining about having to be professional by talking with by trying to develop a bond with his teammates so they could do a better job, and he was just talking about how that was such a how how that was such a big ask. And so it's like, it doesn't sound like the mentality is correct and it doesn't really feel like uh, anybody's going to be willing to take a risk on him in tier one, at least. He would probably have to go through tier two and just grind his way back up again if, if it was going to happen at all. I genuinely think the problem that Smooya has is his, it's not even just his attitude. Like he's also just not a very intelligent guy. Like he doesn't get, as you told by that story, he doesn't get even the idea of like personal relationships or why they're important or why you would need people to like you. He seems to really think like some sort of idiot. If you just go in and frag, that's enough. That isn't enough. That's like when Config tried to join Australis. Look, bro, I just want to frag. It's like, no, you have to also be media savvy, fit the team, humble. Like, there's all these factors we're going to ask if you want to be in a tier one team. So my problem is, it, he'd have to be like simple level or like he'd have to be like fucking monacy for people to accept his attitude, in my opinion. And he isn't. That's the other problem. This whole thing built up around Smooth is mainly from online player. Online, I've just never seen this monster player everyone keeps telling me about. He's really good online in tier two. Well, those are big ifs right there. We're talking about a tier one land team. On a tier one land team, I think you'd just be okay, mate. I don't think he'd be that great. So I don't think, as a result, if you're not some unbelievable player, you're not going to get away with all these like weird idiosyncrasies and things that you're deficient at. They're just going to pick, like, there's, let's be real. I'll say this right now. If you watch that guy, that player, wonderful, the one that I joined Spirit instead of Dexter, he is 17 years old from Ukraine and he's just starting his land career. He's already having like MVP performances, dude. He's having series he just carries against top tier. Like, when players like that are in the scene, why do we have to keep going back to the smoothie well? Like, fair enough, if he gets a team, he gets a team. But I, I don't, to me, it's not this, like, pressing factor. Like, I think a lot of it's based around, like, the narrative of his career. People want to see, like, the cool end to the movie. They want him to have, like, a John Travolta gets cast in Pulp Fiction comeback story so they can feel good about themselves. People from the UK just stupidly want to be like, I, I support him because he's from the UK. So, so none of these factors affect me, but I just go, I'd rather just see someone good play in a team, mate. Don't really give a fuck about Smoo, yeah. There you go. Uh, let's see, uh, Blaz. Who do you think is the unluckiest CSGO pro? I mean, for me, the, the, the one that always comes to mind immediately is just uh, existence getting fucked by Cali. That was That's a pretty rough one. of those one. situations. Because the, you know, the other thing like, about that I one, I think the brutal. stars aligned and that was really going to be like this ultra pot, like this just amazing scenario for Titan. And then it all just fucking came crashing down. Here's also literally, why literally I think that is team. brutal. Yeah, here's why I actually think that's brutal as well. 
That was uh, the, that was going to be the fourth major in CSGO. The first one, they were in the semis and didn't make the final, but still semis is good. The next two, they bombed the group stages famously. Yeah. That was the one where that team looked like it would at least be playoff team. If they go to the playoffs there, there isn't this hole. He chokes all the time. The players believe he chokes. Everyone has to leave him. Like he's accursed. Because after that, they did become that whole trend where everyone was just bombing the, the group stage, never getting out. And one, the problem with those storylines I've found is you have to break the chain really early on they every every successive event that you you continue the curse like team liquid choking it gets worse and worse and worse and worse and you even become like totally it's in your own head you're just thinking when you lose oh fuck i'm choking oh in this case oh what am i doing something again and all your teammates are thinking that and it becomes like the narrative overpowers reality in a way so that would have been the perfect time because that great thing about that team as you can imagine with kenny s pete kenny s and kaylee and apex is your third best player and you've got igl existing like Mate, that team was pretty legit. That was a good lineup. Like that, the good thing about that was they wouldn't have won the major, but they had like a little puncher's chance to knock some people out. They could have beaten someone in the quarterfinals and made a semis run. It could have been a pretty like, cool little team. They were a lethal team back then. They had yes. that. They had the well-oiled machine, and then it turns out you know one one cog of that uh, pretty important part of that machine was cheating. But <laughs> and also, if you were just allowed to cheat at a major, wouldn't you be good? Oh, you know that guy uh, Flusher from Flag? Un unrelated news. He was really good at majors. <laughs> <laughs> Unrelated. <laughs> there we go. There we go. All right. Uh, tea time. What's the best insult you've ever heard about yourself? Oh, I have. Uh, there's one other candidate for most unlucky player of all time. Okay, Nico. go for it. Because Who? Nico, uh, Nico, oh, Nico, he's never ever influenced any of his teammates or ever asked for anyone to be caught or added to a team. But it, somehow he never gets the right teammates. What are the odds? Just the most unlucky guy of all time. There you go. <laughs> That's his, that's his story, essentially, guys. I didn't make that up. <laughs> Fucking hell. Come on. There you go. There you go. All right. What's the best insult you've ever heard about yourself? Dude, I, I'm drawing a blank on this one. I don't know. I haven't got I haven't got Ooh, shit. Let me think. Have you got something on this? Because I'm trying to think. Like, I've just I just intentionally delete any of that shit that I read out of my brain so that I don't dwell on oh, it. Oh, I'll give you a good one. Right. Bye. Even though it's like it's a tame one. Right, way back in the day, before I actually became this on-camera persona and people knew me as I am now, back in the day, I used to write really long historical articles, right? Where it would be like I'd summarize a Brood Wars player's whole career and like the ups and downs and then what happened in this tournament and that sort And so someone did a fake thing where it looked like a Wikipedia entry and it was called like, you know, like something like, you know, the I don't know, Encyclopedia of Esports or whatever. It was different. There was not, wasn't just me. There was also certain players and they would write a fake Wikipedia like header, you know, like the first paragraph explaining who they are. And when they put like, Duncan Thor and Shields. It had a picture of me in like an old fucking LA Kings jersey or something. It just said something like, you know, the highest paid Wikipedia entry writer in the world. That was my style of writing in a way. Good joke. And then it said, uh, it said of non-Polish origin. Because <laughs> obviously at the time, <laughs> that shit had just gone off. So it's like they were just emphasizing that. Like, I want people to know I'm not Polish. Like, that's, a, that's actually pretty funny. That was a good line. That's a good one. Whoever got that off. Fair play. That's pretty good. I'll give That's it, I'll good. give it, I'll take it. That's, uh, yeah, I've got nothing. Sorry, Tea Time, I got nothing on that one. Uh, it's go. Is there any musical instrument you would like to be able to play at a high level? Hey, yeah, the piano. No hesitation. That's why I literally moved into my house, and I, they wanted to take the piano. They, did, they didn't want to take, they wanted to throw away the piano. And I was like, fuck it, we're keeping the piano. Because I've always wanted to learn how to play the piano, but then I never actually sit down and, and do it. But yeah, the piano, no hesitation. You? I mean, they're going to say this is cheating, but in theory, 
probably singing, so being able to like the human voice, that would be a pretty yeah. cool one. Imagine being able to have like a really good, by the way, I wouldn't even have to be selfish. I don't have to have the best one. I'd just like, even if you just had like a, you know, your own style, like you don't want people just to have like a iconic voice, that'd be pretty cool. I do totally. No, no, no. Like, um, no, when you hear like the mega based fucking like Gregorian chant and all that, like how those guys can just carry a note and just, and just da 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 like just constantly change it up and down and all that. Every time I'm just like, man, that'd be fucking sick to be able to do that sort of stuff. Like actually, actually do that. Um, so I can, I, I'd actually tag along on with you on that one. Cause that'd be sick. Being able, being able to actually sing and hit the notes and know what they sound like and just be able to hit them perfectly with your voice. That'd be sweet without a doubt. All right, uh, Chinulada. Any book recommendation on how to program oneself, for example, through symbols or other methods? What? On how to program oneself, for example, through symbols or other methods. What are you a PC? Like what are it you? Sounds you like actually? he's implying some like occult text or yeah. something, you know, or something like that, or hip hypnosis or something. All I'll say is this: I'll get, I can give you some recommendations in this field. Okay. So, like a classic one, because it's a very simple one for beginners, is by the uh, author Robert Anton Wilson, who was like a very good like syncretist of different fields, yeah. and he wrote a book called Prometheus Rising, where it's sort of like it's some like low level concepts about like how the mind works and certain exercises to see different things and like how different aspects of your brain work and there's a few different things that'll just show you like some of the different areas so that's like sort of a beginner's guide and essentially he was a guy who was also into like NLP so if you go and read the guy who basically invented NLP a guy called Richard Bandler did a bunch of books and called like something like some, something it's called something magic it's not supposed to be a cult but it's actually from that secretly it's like hypnosis and self-hypnosis and stuff so that's a basically an area where basically if you don't know modern day politicians are always using NLP stuff the whole time they're just like they're putting phrases anchor phrases into things and they're setting things up so that even though you're hearing a bunch of words you're just hearing like these certain words that build into this that build into a concept that makes the concept make sense and you agree with it because they've made you accept these premises so that sort of area I can't remember what it's called that one um, what would the other one be? Now yeah, those two will do. Just go with those. The Bible would be one you could pick. Of course. Always. Using symbols to reprogram yourself. See oh, the yeah. world differently. No, there was one that I was uh, trying to think of. I don't think I actually included it in my list, though. Oh, it was called The Structure of Magic is the book I was talking about. Uh, uh, well, yeah, I've got several on the, like the idea of this, but like, it's more in like how you approach, how you approach, um, life, but, uh, man's search for meaning by Viktor Frankl. I really, um, that book in particular really marked me in terms of like trying to find, trying to rethink, um, what you're, what you're experiencing and that you can find meaning, you can find meaning in all and in, in anything, including suffering. And that, in fact, sometimes suffering is good, and you get good out of the suffering and all that. It, it reconsidered a, it really uh, flipped a few switches in terms of like how I was viewing things and how they were happening. So um, yeah, man's search for meaning. Uh, Toby, were you always into Christianity, or was there a moment in your life that pushed you towards it? Um, yeah, moment. Uh, I mean, it's a, the, one of the things is a, a shock, great shock. I had uh, my brother pass away and a very close friend of mine pass away within the space of a month. And I think that was the enough of a shock where it's like, wait, I'm not in control. And then all of a sudden I started questioning everything. And from there, all, all the things that I would immediately like brush off without with that I'd been programmed to immediately brush off without consideration prior to that moment, I started questioning all of those things all over again. And so this last 
five to six years has been that process of working my way through. And then I think once you actually start questioning everything, that is, you you eventually do like the end. The terminus is is Christianity. Like you do eventually work your way there. But yeah, what do you think about what do you think about that, Thorn? I mean, I wouldn't really describe myself as Christian. It's more like I would say like I I I I think some of the spiritual concepts are things I agree with. I think there's truth to them, but I don't really know where I don't really fall on any particular spectrum in that sense. I'm just sort of in a unique place. So I would just say similar thing to you. I actually think that I, I'm one of those people. It's like what I did in life. Like I went and I lived in Finland and I lived in Canada and I lived in Korea and I've now living like I had to go all the way around the world to no joke, figure out that now a real thing I might one day do is go back to the UK and live in sort of like a countryside town and like away from all the people in some like Hobbiton type fucking idyllic world, which is essentially what I was running away from my whole life in the sense that you thought I've got to get to the big city and I've got to get the jobs and, and the computers and the penthouse. And I've got to have all the fucking the hoes around uh, the women or whatever and then you know like the, what you realize is eventually that is an illusion it's not real and even doing it by the way that's why in a movie they have to put cool music behind it and not show you too much of that scene and just show you fleeting because it's actually not that great there's nothing to it like you very quickly realize it oh, it's just, just, just it's like going out and getting drunk it seems fun in the moment but it gets progressively diminishing returns as the night goes on and the next morning you're just like why did i do that never again so i had to at similar i had to go around all the houses till i sort of found out an irony, which is everyone understands, which is it's you that has to change. You can't you can't just put yourself in a new location with new people. Do it. Eventually, you have to sort of discover something inside yourself that's satisfied and on the path. So Christianity has been part of that. But I would also say there's an obvious reason as to why I'm within that tradition, because I come from England. I come from a, a heavily embedded Anglo-Christian culture. I come from a background of people like Chesterton and all the C.S. Lewis and all these people who are fucking brilliant writers. So, yeah, I just think naturally, in the same way as I imagine if I was from Japan or something, I'd be into, I don't know, fucking Buddhism or something, you know, some, some shit like that. Now, there's a, you, in a way, you can't totally escape your traditions. It's like, be, it's like the programming language of my brain is Christianity in a way. And in fact, that's even a conclusion we've discussed as many times that I came to is I actually realized even like atheist thinking had just like rewired the Christian parts of my brain and the way that you think of God and the world and the devil yep. and what, sin and what's sacred. It just relabeled them. And so I thought I was experiencing something fresh. I didn't know something it was just fine. And... It was just like it, I'd hijacked the old system. That's exactly it. Yeah, it's just re-envelopes, re, uh, re uh, re repackaging. And then saying, oh, look, look at this new thing here. And you're like, actually, this is, I mean, it's a, it's a fake empty box that they've just taken the... Like, basically, to me, I'm not, by the way, I'm not saying the whole angle of, like, it's universalist and every religion is the same thing. But I do think, from my exploration, behind Christianity, there is some, like, ultimate truth. I just don't know if the the worldly sort of manifestation of Christianity is anything I can vibe with. I think, just like everything else, I think the idea can be brilliant, but the execution when people get involved is just politics and bollocks and fucking people adding their own shit in and putting some Roman stuff. Like, that's the part. I can't, so as a result, I wouldn't describe myself as a Christian. It's the same way as I always say politically. I'm a monarchist, but I'm not a royalist. Like, I don't want this royal family, but I do think monarchy is probably the best system. Yeah. And then you, you just hope you, you get the roll of the dice. You hope you get the good one. Because yeah, exactly. <laughs> otherwise, <laughs> yeah. But the joke is, what's the alternative? You never get the good one in the other systems. <laughs> so, yeah, like, people go. make it sound silly, but it's actually still the best one in it. Because as yeah, you yeah, say, yeah. you all you have to do is get lucky one time. It's it's legit. No, it's the fun. Like, it's just it's just programming. It's, again, it's just program. You're programmed to think that democracy is like the best thing ever, and it's like actually, guys, um, you know, that's not usually how it goes. Like, there's a reason why everything is going to shit. <laughs> just saying. <laughs> all right. Uh, let me see. Uh, Jack, Jack uh, Thor. Jack Thor? Sorry. Don't know how to, Jack Thor. 
Uh, would it make CSGO more interesting if players could shoot shoot utility throwables to explain, explode them prematurely, deflect them? He means, like, do you remember an Unreal Tournament where the shock blast was that you fired that ball out and then you shot it while it was in the yeah. air to explode? He almost means like that. But the problem with that is, like, I, I think what he's underrating there is how for, only, like, Nico and Simple could even do that. Like, how would everyone be able to shoot, like, this pixel-perfect thing going across the air perfectly out? Like, I, I feel like there's only two ways that could go somewhere. It would either be so impossible you could almost never do it, or it'd be way too easy and everyone could do it. Do you know what I mean? Isn't That's that the problem? Right. How would you balance that? The, the answer is uh, you don't. You just let you, you you let them get the lineups because imagine if you knew the lineups. Like then it's going to be about timing, and you're going to be like, okay, this is the lineup that they throw for the smoke. I'm going to hold my crosshair at that spot. Nade comes in, click, then move on to the next thing. So now you can cancel out three hundred dollars worth of utility by just being able to click That's on some, it. Some like Valorant know, like, shit too in it. Like that just sounds yeah, like no, a Valorant idea. It's not going to happen. It wouldn't be. Uh, it wouldn't be it. Uh, I, you know, interesting idea, but I don't think it would work in CS:GO as it stands. All right, Santiago La Farga. Last episode, you talked about how interacting with dark frequencies has an effect on people, for example, by consuming horror movies or other media with a twisted nature. How do you think this concept applies to playing, watching, interacting with CSGO, a game that is at its core about killing other people? <laughs> Excuse me. That is definitely, I mean, I think the, like, yeah, you can't get around the fact that what you're seeing on the screen is violent, but at the same time, it's so detached from reality in the sense that it's just, it, there's no, there's no meat to it. There's no meaning to it. It's, it is just like the, the meaning is the interaction between the players, the objectives, controlling offense, defense, all of these sorts of things. That, that's the meaning of Counter-Strike. It's not like by, by blowing up that bomb, you're achieving some political end or something like, which is what terrorists want to do. You know, none of that is actually happening in Counter-Strike. It really is just skins. It really, it could be anything. It's just, I always say it, to me, it's just paintball, mate. Like, does anyone yeah. when they're playing paintball go, wow, I'm like, desensitize myself to kill a man? No, you know, it's paintball. So, you know, like, yeah, like for example, even in about, CS, it's even, even built into it that, you know, they come back to life the next round. You know what I mean? No, ex yeah, exactly that. No, it's uh, like, that's the thing. I've never really had that issue. I know what you're talking about. Like, I know what you mean, but like CS really is just, there's no underlying anything to it, it, it apart from like just the violence that you see on screen. But then you're so desensitized to the to that sort of violence as well. There's not... Yeah, I don't. I don't really read it in that way. I don't know. But did you have anything? Did you have any thoughts about that one? I mean, look, I do gold. think it's a bit of a psyop. Like, here's how the psyop works. One side just blames everything on games and goes, oh, it's causing everyone to be a shooter and a violent person. And then the other side goes, here's the psyop, goes, it doesn't have any effect at all. It's just images in a game, and it's perfectly safe for everyone, including children. I think the psyop there is they're just the two extremes. Like, to me, it probably does have an effect. I don't know if it has an effect on violence, but I imagine, for example, Semler, it does make it easier, like action movies, when you think about, like, a war, for example, and you're not there to just think of it like a movie. Like, oh, it's kick-ass, and, like, the MiGs are taking, get, taking out, like, Top Gun. Oh, it's like, oh, fucking John Wick, he's just killing everyone. Like, I do think it allows you, when you conceptualize other real-world violence, to not take it very seriously. But I don't think it has the effect, for example, of making you go, mm, I could just kill someone now. Like, I think that's the I think it does have an effect. It might even be a negative effect, but it's just not that like it manifests in the most extreme version possible. So I think that if you notice, I think both sides are a bit out there on that one. I mean, eventually there is that like, I guess if, if 
it's it's kind of like what we were talking about last week as well about how like eventually you're just kind of like eliminating things uh, you're just along the process of eliminating things that are negative and so if you really want to start getting to that that level of like purity eventually you would just take all the games out you just would take all the games out right that's like a distraction from from what it is that you're actually thinking about at the time so if we really wanted to go down that path of like okay eliminating violent video games then it would just be if, uh, any violence right just you don't put it in front of your eyes you don't allow it to have a chance uh, to like you say desensitize you or or affect you in any way you don't even give it a shot all right Honestly, I'm not joking. If there was a, if if it wasn't for the fact there's a tactical element of this in the game, if there was a way, like if it didn't matter, have like blood decals on the wall and stuff, I would actually say for real, let's just make it more abstract, like Quake. You know, in Quake when they had like the bright skins, and you weren't even you weren't watching even a character that it was just like a bunch of blobs, and you're shooting a lightning good yeah. blob. At a, and a, if I could make it abstract, like that I'd do it tomorrow if it didn't affect the game. If, if it wasn't like a key factor currently in how it works, like the damage and the decals and the sound, if you could just make like an abstract one, I think that'll be a way cooler thing. Just make it just the pure a spot the thing is is like um what was it uh the viewership you know they're always going to think oh but the viewers aren't going to want to watch that right even though the pros like the first thing you do is you make the game as ugly as possible so that it runs as fast as possible because yep. you're only concerned about the performance it's not about the skins it's not about any of that think how it's many just... people still play on like 800 by 600 resolution to make it all yeah. huge and blah. they don't go to like the highest one that you could on these mega pcs and go let's look at the great graphics like you're saying that it's all they care about is visibility and let's make it very simple precisely so i mean i think i think we could eventually go that way if we wanted to but it would be it would be pushing back against the the whole idea that you need to sell the next, uh, you know, Intel is sponsoring this and they need to sell chips. So uh, put those graphics up. Uh, well, you know, and if that is what's driving the show, that's what's driving the show. All right, Snake Gold, what is one specific goal for Counter-Strike you want to accomplish with Last Free Nation? Specific goal for Counter-Strike. It's, uh, it's to continue just having a podcast like this where we can be uh, like unvarnished, uh, unvarnished and... um. Yeah, no, no connections that could hold it over any of us in that sense, right? Like, not, not really. There's no, at least, at least, yeah, in the near future, there's no uh, real um, lands or anything like that. And so it's not like I'm here, you know, like, oh, I can't talk about Blast because otherwise I might not get invited. It's like I'm not, I'm not getting invited as it is. So uh, there's freedom, and so the idea that to have the freedom to express oneself that's what's important, I think, or at least what's attracted me to the project. I mean, I've already said one just to do some like really cool sort of hype video type content, but just do it on my own terms. Yeah. I, I would right. even say if people haven't ever seen those, that's probably some of my best stuff. Like I can tap into a sort of poetic frequency when I do that. I, I think very few people can. Sadly, I do know people think that those like dream act ones are all generic, like, and then you came for war, but war is between men of honor. Like that's just some generic movie shit. I actually do it where it's talking about the player and you know I'm talking about device or his career or what's threat to it. So you'll have to see it. Some of the ones I'm going to come up with, just wait for the next few months to blow your mind. Yeah, let's get it. Hey, right, butt pounder four twenty. What would your WWE entrance with theme be? No. <laughs> would you pick? This is the problem. Oh, the, the problem is that I'm terrible with uh, song names. Like I, I can, I can think of the song, but I wouldn't be able to tell you the name. Give to me the lyrics. What band is it by? No, hold on. I got to think about it. Do you have one that comes to to mind first? Because right now I'm like... I mean, I've always said, assuming I'm making my character like Thorin, and it's like my music in that sense, right? I've always said there's a track by Oasis called My Big Mouth. 
And, like, <laughs> and then the lyrics are, you know, like I'm I'm still walking down the Hall of Fame or something about like, you know, it's me and my big mouth or whatever. Like that would be a fucking sick, sick angle because one, I am a Hall of Famer and two. Yeah, I thought you were going to go for like the Hobbit thing where it's like, do, 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 do. Nah. Like what, what is it, that song that they're singing in the Hobbit hole? No, but uh, yeah, no, I see where you're going with that one. Uh, I don't have anything for you, but Pounder 420. I'm sorry, man. I'm I don't have anything on the song side. All right, cause you're out of français. Favorite player epithet in esports, i.e., score the immortal. It means like nickname, basically. Nicknames, yeah. I always liked your Terminator from Cold Zera. To be fair, it always pissed me off that he wouldn't accept oh, it's it. Sad, isn't it? Because I was just like, dude, that is you. You are the Terminator. The like, thing is, I'll don't up. worry. I'm actually gonna do. Sadly, I have to find another place to do it, or maybe I'll do it on this channel. Even I'm gonna do a piece of content around that topic. I actually meant to do like a big Cold Zero thing once. I just never got around to it. So I'll I'll revise that alias for it. Uh, mine would just be because I actually think it's sad. People didn't pick it up, pick up on it. Richard inadvertently nailed it. I mean, he didn't do it intentionally. He just used like generic terminology. When Simple won the major. People GL Stockholm, because Simple had had all the frags, etc. And obviously everyone wanted to see what's he going to say when he's won the major. Richard said, and now over to the great one. And he just meant like you say about any great play like Michael Jordan. When he's great. But I realized, wait a minute, he is a player who has a one in his name and he is the greatest player of all time. So it doesn't matter that other people have a one in them. He is the great one. That what if, But make it one the number. Great one instead of Wayne Gretzky's the great one in hockey, obviously. I think that is a fucking sick alias slash nickname. What a unique one. So I, I think that's a bagger. It would be actually perfect. That would be sick. Straight up. It was also a very good one, I thought, in Broodwall, which is they used to call Jadong the tyrant. And there was a period where he was just like the most clutch player and he would always win. Like famously, he had a a whole season where if when he would win a best of five, he would lose game one and then just win three in a row and smash you. And that even became like a type of score that he just kept doing over and over. So like the reason he was called the tyrant is because the joke is like once he got in control, he just crushed you flat. You, you couldn't beat him. And it was just like some dictator autocratically ruling the scene. It was sick. Broodwall was really good for that, by the way. Not only were the amazing players. Always came up with those, right? Yeah, they would always, because for some reason, Asian fans sort of cue into that a lot more. So in like League of Legends and Dota, for example, Asians have the, the Chinese fans have the best memes. They just have like super, like I'll give you an example. There's a player right now at Worlds. He's on one of the best teams, a team called JDG, and he's called 369. That's his name. The number's 369. So the meme they came up with, because he was like a very good player, but he used to be really streaky, is it's like you're rolling dice and you either get a three, a six, or a nine. So if he's a nine, he smashes the game. If he's a six, he's pretty good. Team better not foot. You might just get a three one time and shit the whole bed. That's like, by the way, that's like WWE level story, right? And that's like, that's, so that. that's fucking sick, isn't it? Yeah. So I've always thought we need more of those in CSGO. It would be so good, wouldn't it? Yeah. If you actually had more that, uh, it's never really, it never really caught on you. I think you're the only one who's really tried to like, because I knew from Broodwatch, it's really cool if you can do it, you know, if you can come up with an angle like that, it, like it does mean something. All right. We got to check that out. All right. Last question for the night. Dandy. I think every individual would have needed to try to be elite in one field or another, as it gives key insights and perspective into what sacrifices, et cetera, successful people in other fields end up having to make do. What kind of experiences in an ideal world should all people go through that you think have made a formative impact on the person you are? I don't even think it has to be that specific. It's just a lot of different... Basically, the real problem in life, the secret to this realm, as far as I can tell, is that the way you improve and make life better is by failing but in a very controlled manner. As in, when you fail, you don't just like spiral from it and get depressed and ruin everything and make 10 more than six. Each time you fail, you sort of take a breather, take stock of what you've done, 
Look at how you've failed. You don't, you won't learn the big lesson immediately, but you start to realize I've clearly done something wrong here. Next time I approach it, tweak it a little bit, try something different. And like that, basically that process iterated makes you really good at anything. Like the real secret is, you know, when people do those graphs to try and explain success to people and they show you that to a fan, they think success is this. It's a line that goes straight up. Success is like the stock market. It's like, oh, it's down, it's down, it's up, it's all that. But it's like eventually, if you expand the graph backwards, it's going up. The stock goes up. But in the short term, day to day, it can be all over the place. It can be up down. Granular, yeah. So, so yeah, if you just let the downs get you, you'll, you'll be wrecked. But if you if you can sort of look back and improve over time, you, you go up gradually. Yeah. We'll edit there. <laughs> I'm, I'm blanking. I'm drawing a blank tonight, man. All right, that's going to be it. But... Uh... Chris is still very much in the round. Oh, Chris! He's found three. It's down to a two-on-two. No Chris, can he close this with an ace? Oh, my God! Gives him a chance to lead to this CZ kill. Could be everything. Finally, Zeus, oh. he does something! Looking for a second. He connects it. Oh,